0: This is Unfilter, episode 290, for August 8th, 2018.
1: Why I'm divorced from it now. I see it from a distance. I give myself a divorce. I say, George, emotionally you have no stake in this. You don't care one way or another. So watch it. Have fun. You know what? I say it this way. When you're born in this world, you're given a ticket to the freak show. And when you're born in America, you're given a front row seat. <laughs> and some of us get to sit there with notebooks. And I'm a notebook gunner, huh? Oh. oh. Oh my God, did you see that? Did you see what he just? And I watch the freak show, and I cut my notes and I make up stuff about it. And I talk about the freaks. And the freaks are all humans, and they're like me, and they're all the same. We're all the same. I'm not better, I'm not different. I'm just apart now. I'm separate. I'm over here because I put myself out of the mix. I don't have a stake in the outcome. I'm not a cheerleader.
2: I was actually going to let that roll for a little bit, the the, the music, you know? Yeah. Just kind of let it marinate for a bit. It is a good song. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Unfilter, Jupiter Broadcasting's, well, it used to be weekly show about the news you shouldn't be watching. I'm uh, Chase Nunes. Hey, uh, buddy. And I'm going to give you guys my full name, because over there, i uh, been with this guy since episode number one, Mr. Chris Fisher. Yeah. Two studios, three different soundboards, <laughs> different sound effects. A few co-hosts. Two, two
0: presidents. Yeah. And gigs, and actually terabytes and terabytes of clips later. You know, I guess,
2: I guess the one thing, well, there's many things maybe I regret, but one of the things I regret in regards to this show is we never did anything live on remote somewhere. Oh, you're right.
0: We always did want to do that.
2: Yeah, we always, we've done it from the studio, either here, uh, or we've done it from the old JBHQ. We've done a few remote shows. If but we were we
0: if we were ever gonna do a like a like a revisit to the show down the road, yeah. we should do it live on location. Yeah. Just to honor that. Because you're right, we both wanted to do that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So this is the last episode of the Unfiltered Show, and uh, what we decided to do was make the product that you've always wanted to listen to. So we're gonna break down the week's news. We're gonna thank you guys, we're gonna do a high note, and we're gonna do an overtime. And we'll
2: and we'll uh we'll talk about like possible I, I hate doing this part, talking about, well, you know, you never know, maybe, you know.
0: Yeah, you never know what we, future We don't person... want to give
2: anybody false hopes on anything. That being said, <laughs> I I don't—hey, <laughs> now, Thank you. Uh, however, I don't think this will be the last that you'll you hear— You don't think so? No, I don't. Yeah? Because— Obviously, while the show may stop, yeah. uh, the, the machine, the political machine, the media yeah, machine keeps on turning. Yeah, and, and there there is... there's going to be huge things I know coming up that yeah. may need our opinions.
0: And there is always word of a new community show that may be in the works from people you know. So if you stay subscribed,
2: you never know what could happen down the road. I you mean, just... something, something might just drop in the feed one day and you'll be like, what, 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 what's, what's that? You never know. You never know. You just... You just... The more you know.
3: Dude, you're on point though. <laughs> I know.
2: Only. It only uh, took me 290 to yeah. get it right. I mean, seriously.
0: All right. What do you think? Should we, uh, should we start things off with a little cyber? Uh, ASL. Now, uh, this was a story that was brewing as we went on the air last week because it is the scariest thing that has ever happened to the United States of America, if you ask the media.
3: They almost look like plastic toys, but experts insist so-called ghost guns can be very lethal. Nine state attorneys general and Senate Democrats have tried to block this man, Cody Wilson, from posting free 3D printer
0: instructions online. Late today, a federal judge agreed to an injunction. Now, we covered this story when it first broke, I feel like, more than four years ago, but I might be wrong on that. That's just... Yeah. From memory. Uh, so uh, apparently the federal government has become aware of the fact that in the future you'll be able to print any fucking thing you want.
4: Make no mistake about it. This is the doing of the Trump administration. <laughs> this is part of a long pattern of. Le-
0: you see, uh, because Donald Trump is such a leader in the economy, when he came into office. Uh, he caused such a level of innovation in technology that 3D guns became a reality
2: it, in the last year. Is this the same as the Al Gore inventing the Internet moment? I feel like Trump should run with this. So Trump has he invented 3D guns. Yeah. Well, no, right. no, no, no. No? No, you got to go big picture. Oh. Printing. Oh, 3D printing. The gun lobby get whatever
3: they want. This morning, President Trump tweeted, I am looking into 3D plastic guns being sold to the public. Already spoke to the NRA. Doesn't seem to make much sense. I do
2: have one side. That's that's always his take. You know, why would we want to give people access to information? But but let me talk to the NRA. Like, why does that matter? You're the president of the freaking United States, man. I just
0: feel like... Like, You don't have to check with anybody. It just seems so anti-intellectual to me. Like, here we are. and, And really... Are we gonna do this? So, uh, hey Chase. Yeah, like Chris. If yeah. we go, if we were, if we were to go like way back in time. All right. I'm not. I'm not suggesting anybody should do this because it can cause indigestion. But. Oh, boom.
2: Oh, there's some cobwebs in here.
0: So here we are at the beginning of the printing press. Yeah, uh, I gotta, I gotta warn you. Yeah. Uh, grandma's secret recipe is gonna get printed and shared with thousands of people. You can't share grandma's secret recipe. No,
2: no, hundreds, perhaps even thousands of people will learn of grandma's secret pie recipe. Well, I'm gonna call Ballard six seven two five two and make <laughs> sure that no one gets this. <laughs>
0: Now, of course, all of us as uh, computer enthusiasts, I would assume, listening to the show, or maybe you've charged your device recently, or perhaps you even have one of them fancy electric cars that have to charge off the grid. Yeah. Well, then you're probably very displeased to learn that
2: Vladimir Putin is personally out to screw I knew you. Putin was going to get tied into this somehow.
0: Our digital
5: enemies are taking advantage of all of us.
2: Ah, oh, crap.
5: They are exploiting our open society to steal, to
0: our open society that's a trigger word by the way that's a george soros trigger word open society i feel like though she's not using it that way we we're trying to rebrand we re we right. reuse like cyber cyber used to be a joke like wh- what do we what do you usually say when i say let's start with cyber ASL. because it's a joke right it's They're, funny cyber used to mean two people masturbating online <laughs> yeah. telling them Hey, each other hey baby, things. you want a cyber?
2: Yeah, right. Yeah,
0: but and but now we've repurposed cyber to mean cyber. I mean, how would you discuss? How would you define cyber?
2: Uh, the internets, the the people Protection on the internet
0: of electronic systems. Yeah, yeah. I I, I don't know. I yeah, don't. I, it's. But so you rebrand these things like open society and you are are essentially de-weaponizing the term. Yeah. And you're reintroducing it to society as something else. Right. Especially when you have the platform of, say, Homeland Security.
2: You're trying to own your own term, basically.
0: And say you're uh, Kristen Nielsen of Homeland Security. And let's just say for a moment you're the Homeland Security Secretary and you start throwing these terms around, you sort of create a new normal.
5: Our digital enemies are taking advantage of all of us. They are exploiting our open society to oh. steal, to manipulate.
0: It's interesting that she has her eyes closed, don't you
2: think? Does she not believe what she's saying?
0: Isn't that... Well, no. I mean, she must if she can say it with her eyes closed. She believes it so hard she doesn't have to read the prompter. Ooh. But
2: it's... it's she's tired, maybe. She's just getting a it's quick really rest.
0: really... W- It's
2: really weird. Yeah.
5: to Intimidate, to coerce, to disrupt, and to undermine. We are in a crisis mode. The Cat 5 hurricane has been forecast.
2: Wait, networking? (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) (laughs) Need some Cat 5
0: here. If we were in a crisis right now, like... uh...
2: Wait, wait, wait. I thought we already were in a crisis. So
0: I would define a crisis as you and I are sitting here doing the show, and you get a call from your wife that your house is on
2: fire. That's a crisis.
0: That is a crisis. Super crisis. Would you say, would you come on air and say... Well, guys, I know this is the last episode, but I must depart early because I am currently experiencing a crisis. <laughs> right? No. I mean, either she is super medicated or she is not actually all that worried about what she is saying. This Manipulate is her, like, fifth to of the day. Yeah, right. <laughs> she said it ten times to yeah.
5: coerce to disrupt and to undermine. We are in a crisis mode. The cat five hurricane has been forecast and now we must prepare. That of course was Homeland Security Secretary Kirsten
0: Nielsen. Well, that, that really gets me fired up. I'm super worried. You oh see. yeah. Uh, so the news of the day is that Russia is going after our power grid chase. They're going after our power grid. This is according to a journalist at Axios, who says that they're going to give a, the Russia is going to give us right before the election. Mark their words: a crippling cyber attack.
2: Well, I'm happy though that our electric grids are not connected to the internet, right? Because I mean, who in their right mind would, you? would connect a, a utility there's to the li- internet? There's literally no reason to do nah. so. I mean, so we're good, right?
6: They have this capability to to shut down, to cause uh, blackouts in cities, to cause, to you know disrupt, as you said, critical infrastructure.
7: I mean, imagine. If the power went out in the state of Maine in the month of January.
0: Imagine if I could only imagine. Imagine if my blouse fell off. If All the blouse...
7: lives that could be at risk. I know that you interviewed <laughs> a few top uh, intelligence officials and specifically asked which global threat worried them the most. What is keeping them up at night?
0: Im- oh, oh. <laughs> you love that line. Oh, God. Imagine if I punched this guy in his face. Hey, if your
2: phone rings at three o'clock in the morning, what are you going to do? What is keeping you up at night? What is keeping you up at night? (sighs) That line. I hate that. That triggered you just now. Just boom, triggered. It really does. Play it again.
7: Which global threat worried them the most? What is keeping them up at
2: night? Yeah. (laughs) What's keeping them up?
6: Right, so this is former CIA directors, directors of national intelligence, top White House advisors on national security. We asked all of them, what's the biggest threat? And more than half said, a massive cyber attack. David Petraeus compared it to the weapon of mass destruction of cyber attacks. And he referenced this idea of tampering with the electric grid and causing prolonged blackouts that will put lives at risk.
2: Cyber, dude. I I, I feel it's 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 a huge can of hot air because our only hope we haven't really seen this
0: our only hope is uh that the space force takes off space force space force if the space force takes off that's going to be way more of an industrial complex bonanza this was in a
2: mirror universe right episode where (laughs) the space force was created space
0: force space force it's coming man it's coming now there are our top national security advisors that are warning about russia's influence And um, the way I read this as a very concerted effort by everyone in the Trump administration, except for Donald Trump, to come out and take a strong stance about Russia. Tonight from America's top national
8: security and intelligence officials, a united front vowing to protect U.S. elections
4: against a new round of threats from Russia and other adversaries. We acknowledge the threat. It is real. It is continuing And we're doing everything we can to have a legitimate election that the American people can have trust in.
2: That's Dan Coats, the director of national security. Whom, Whom, by the way, I thought the president doesn't agree with.
4: Just three months
8: ahead of the midterms, the officials detailing a pervasive Russian campaign to try to weaken and divide the
9: U.S. Make no mistake, the scope of this foreign influence threat is both broad and deep.
0: That wet blanket is our FBI director. Our <laughs> democracy
5: itself is in the crosshairs.
0: Though the official. Oh, so this is big. And and what this really is, is super strong messaging by the Trump administration that Russia is a threat. But so, then. <laughs> but then there's a question that gets raised. And I'll ask you if you recognize. Um, what's the way to put this? Similarity is the word that's coming to mind, but I don't feel like it's quite descriptive enough. Um, tell me if this feels like an echo from the past. All right. Consistent.
10: Last week, uh, I want to turn to Russia if we could. Last week, you were among the top national security officials. who. Came-
0: this is, of course, Jake Tapper. Interviewing Mr. Good- Walrus. Yeah, John Bolton.
10: Last week, uh, I want to turn to Russia, if we could. Last week, you were among the top national security officials who came out to the White House briefing room to, to make a show of force to speak uh, directly uh, about the Russia election interference threat, how it continues today. Um, President Trump uh, has not been able to do the same thing, not in front of the world when he was in Helsinki, uh, not since, not at any of his rallies, not when the press is in front of him, um, not on Twitter Why not? Why can't President Trump condemn Russian election interference with the same uh, vociferousness that, that you're able to?
0: Now, imagine you are in a universe that just keeps repeating itself over and over again. You remember that TNG episode where they crash into Fraser's ship? Oh, yeah. 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 And then like they have to like look for things that feel like, like the deja little vu. The,
2: the little echoes and yeah. then, and then they like leave clues like data left yeah. the three, right? The third option thing. Right? Good job, man. Yeah, I remember. So the deja vu
0: that I'm getting from this is do you remember the incessant demands from Fox News? For President Obama to condemn Muslim extremism? Oh, yeah. And they're like, see, look, he's, he must be, uh, Yeah. Why won't President Obama condemn yeah, Muslim know. extremism? Now, with that in mind, re-listen to Jake Tapper's questions.
10: Of his rallies, not when the press is in front of him, um, not on Twitter, why not? Why can't President Trump condemn Russian election interference with the same uh, vociferousness that, that you're able to?
0: Isn't that remarkable? yeah isn't that it is it is the other side exactly repeating the patterns of the opposite side the last president
2: right and then they go and say well the last person did it so then the last person does it and do then, you think yeah. it's
0: conscious or do you think they don't even realize they're doing
2: it? i think it's just a normal political playbook maneuver
0: it
11: is it's, it's, it's,
2: a play. It, it, it's a play and it doesn't matter what party it is it's the same play
11: Look, that, that's simply inaccurate. The president has, on multiple occasions, and I'd be glad to give you a list uh, so that you could see it, uh, said that he agrees that the Russians have meddled in the elections in the past and that he's worried about it in the future. And I might say, the very fact that I and the four, four of the heads of the operating department and agencies charged with detecting and preventing Russian meddling... I'll stop him right here. Um,
0: today... The Trump administration introduced new sanctions again
2: against Russia for the poisoning in London. So this confuses me because I thought the previous sanctions, while, yes, they were implemented or they they were introduced. They were were also in response to that. Right. But they were never implemented. So. (laughs) Right. I thought they were never implemented. Well, No. What it was. Yeah, you're right.
0: Well, kind of what it was is that a couple of businesses got really fucking fatty exceptions I'm oh sorry. Sorry, well, and,
2: well and the space force got an exception on this new one <laughs> yes too.
0: yes exactly it's true yeah so there's they keep writing exceptions to these to these otherwise super tough sanctions yeah yeah Okay. yeah, yeah. but don't but you know what yeah. i don't want this to overshadow don's wonderful son <laughs> feeling that even heat. though it's
12: 110 degrees in this crazy room it's so
0: hot. actually let's be fair they are warm. Could your could your any could the oldest member of your family perform at this level in a room that's 110 degrees? If I no barely could. It would take as a as a mid 30s man who's been doing this for about almost 15 years. I could barely do that, barely. And it's, here is a
2: man in his 70s. It speaks to uh, what uh, Ronnie Jackson says. You know, the former sir, uh, you know doctor to the president. That he is in top physical peak condition.
12: <laughs> Obviously.
2: Obviously. As proved by this clip. Right.
12: <laughs> Feeling and the even heat. Even though it's 110 degrees in this crazy room. God. <laughs> Saturday
13: night at a sweltering Ohio rally, the president We're raised Eddie alarm over ongoing election interference. We've
14: got to stop meddling. We've got to stop everybody from attacking us. But there are a lot. Russia's there. China's
13: there. But by this morning, he was running a fever on Twitter.
0: You see what she did there?
2: Uh, uh, you know the prescription for that fever? Yeah. More tweets. Oh, I thought it was cowbell.
13: Denying yeah. a news report as a complete fabrication that I am concerned about the meeting my wonderful son Donald had in Trump Tower. That June 2016 meeting included a Kremlin-linked Russian lawyer and lobbyist, along with the president's son, son son-in-law Jared Kushner, and then campaign chairman Paul Manafort. But today the president changed his story, dropping the earlier claim that Russian adoption policy had been the focus. This was a meeting to get information on an opponent totally legal. He adds, I did not know about it.
0: Now, now, (laughs) when we first heard about this, it was uh, was a meeting about Russian adoptions. Yep. Then it was I knew nothing about it. Then it was I dictated a few things. I acknowledge, like, the story has shifted a few times. A few. (laughs) But I feel like this, all of this is, I mean, literally not new. He, during a press conference with France's president a year ago, a clip in which we played on this very show, admitted it was a meeting to get information about an opponent, and he says, which happens all the time. And he kinda does one of these hand gestures that he's famous for. That was a year ago. <laughs> like, I uh I just like I don't I don't I don't understand how this stuff that, that happens about eleven months. Then why, ago. then why change the stories
2: back and forth? Why talk, Why focus? Oh, oh I don't. Y- yeah. I don't disagree.
0: There yeah. was some obfuscation or um, dissemblies, as they used to say with Obama. Some dissembling happened. You happened mean here. no
2: kind of collusion with the Russian government <laughs> to get information?
0: <laughs> well, I mean, I, mean I, I agree. They were trying to meet intentionally yeah. with a Russian representative to get dirt on Hillary
2: Clinton. Yeah, that that is Wait, what tried to happen. No, what... I thought this was about Russian adoptions. Now I'm completely confused. Yeah, I know. It's yeah. I, I,
15: we may need some faith healers. Uh, I feel better. Thanks. Yeah.
0: Thanks, yeah, Nancy. Yeah. Thank you.
2: Um, but I, I
0: what here's what actually has made me exhausted doing the show <laughs> is that stuff comes up. It like it's on a cycle. Like yeah. it comes back up. Like. Like, like my girlfriend's bad mood, like every month, like it comes back up. You know, I'm like, wait, you were doing great. Flashback. Oh, yeah, exactly. So this is this is to me a non story. But yet it's in the cycle again. It's like one of the things they go to in the cycle.
2: Well, I think it's part of the reason because it feel it feels like the impression is that the story is always changing and always going back to. Well, we knew we knew it wasn't about adoption and now we have confirmation. Yeah, it definitely wasn't. And, oh, and even the president tweeted straight up out of it, you know, so it's like, hmm, what's up now, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah.
0: I I understand. I understand. There's a lot going on. Like, if you think about it right now, if you put yourself in the mindset of Bill Clinton during the Monica Lewinsky scandal— me? —scandal. Me?
2: Yeah. Oh, okay.
0: You could make an argument that you were pretty distracted back then, right?
2: I'm very distracted.
0: There's a lot going on when you're dealing with this legal scandal Mm -hmm. and you're trying to run the country, right? I'm trying not to be impeached. Right, Exactly. So think about Trump here for a second. So not only is he, quote unquote, trying to run the country, quote unquote, and depending on how you ask, trying to run the world as the world's most powerful man, quote unquote, but he's dealing with the Manafort trial. Yeah. He's dealing with the Cohen crap. Yeah. He's dealing with the Stormy Daniels crap. Yeah. He's dealing with the Russia investigation crap. Yeah. And trying to run the country.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And work on his golf game. Of course. Every weekend. Every, and during the week.
0: And maybe grab some pee. So it's a lot <laughs> going on. So that's why the developments in the Manafort case really matter. It's Rick yeah.
16: Gates back on the stand, admitting during a harsh cross-examination to having an extramarital affair a decade ago.
0: So Rick Gates made a deal, that, which we'll get into here in a moment. He made a deal. And so part of that deal is he's got to be honest. And if he wants the FBI to honor this deal, when he's under oath, he's got to be honest about it He's got to be straight up. Yeah. So Manafort's lawyers have been waiting all week to go after this guy.
2: Yeah. This cross. Cross-examination.
0: Yeah. And so they get their opportunity to cross-examine this guy, and they expose not one affair, which was like the main one.
2: I it, know. but
0: Four yeah. different affairs this guy had going on while being married All to just embarrass and discredit him.
2: And he also goes on, I don't know if you have a clip on this, to admit that not only he stole all this money, he stole it from Manafort too.
16: Harsh (laughs) (laughs) cross-examination to having an extramarital affair a decade ago. But denying accusations by Paul Manafort's lawyer that he was embezzling money from Manafort in order to fund his affair. And what the defense attorney referred to as a secret life in London and elsewhere. Gates also testified today that two weeks after Donald Trump's election, Paul Manafort recommended that his banker, Stephen Koch, become secretary of the army. Koch allegedly loaned Manafort money under false pretenses. Gates detailed how broke Manafort was when he joined the Trump campaign in March 2016, working at the time for no salary. Gates said that Manafort's consulting firm had no clients then. And that they were at the time trying to secure another political consulting contract in Ukraine, but had not yet been able to. In a 2015 email exchange, Manafort was clearly frustrated. WTF, Manafort wrote to Gates. How could I be blindsided like this, Manafort said. This after learning that taxes he was due to pay were much higher than he had anticipated. Gates admitted that he also supplied false information to banks in order to help Manafort secure bank loans. Gates testified that Manafort made more than $5 million between 2011 and 2012, doing consulting work for a Ukrainian billionaire. Gates went into detail about how shell companies were used to move money into hidden accounts in Cyprus. In one instance, according to Gates, a payment supported lobbying in the United States. Gates stated that Manafort reported some of the payments to U.S. tax officials as loans, though they were, in fact, income, adding that Manafort was, quote, trying to decrease his taxable income. Prosecutors demonstrated that Manafort directed these activities through emails. There were hundreds of these, Gates said in court, adding, quote, typical practice was Mr. Manafort would send me a list of wire requests. Gates admitted that he used information provided by Manafort to create invoices for fake amounts of money for wire transfers. But the money never actually went to the vendors. Instead, it went to the banks. The purpose of this, according to Gates, so that the wire transfers would not be recorded on U.S. business records. Nonetheless, on Monday, the prosecutors elicited testimony from Mr. Gates and from one of Mr. Manafort's accountants that tied Manafort more closely to Russia. The accountant, Cindy Laporta, testified that in 2006, Mr. Manafort received a $10 million loan from Oleg Deripaska, oh. a Russian oligarch close to President Vladimir Putin.
12: Uh-oh.
0: Hmm. That's his Russia tie. But otherwise, it's, it's actually all really about what he did in Ukraine and, it, and the work he did. Uh, And the reason why this story matters is not because of the Russia investigation or even really uh, Manafort's work in the Trump campaign, although that is how the media will play it. But if you're inside the swamp, what this really is, is it is a public posting of a business model that Manafort created. It's a public killing of that business model. It is a message being sent to other sons of bitches, just like Manafort, that we're on to how this works now and we're cracking down. And if you go against us when we're trying to topple a regime, we will destroy you. That is the message. That's why Manafort has been put in solitary confinement. That's why they're in, What was the indictment? Something like 20 people around Manafort are also getting screwed. Yeah. That's what this is about. It's about the devastation of a business model, which is good. And it's also a signal. It's a message. And so when you look at the, like, quote unquote, secret life of Manafort, you realize that it's all about keeping under the radar. Guys like Manafort succeeded because nobody
2: knew their name. Nobody knew who they were. So then why did he get involved with the campaign? Like if he if he's trying to stay under the radar, it's like I this he would probably never have come to light if he didn't get in the campaign.
0: So this requires probably more than we could go into. But uh, so the reason why he got involved with the Trump campaign is he was essentially out of clients. Uh, His Uh. business with Ukraine had been had been stopped once we overthrew that government. Once, uh, you know, uh, what's your face and what's their face? Fuck the EU. Once we overthrew that government and his guy was out of power. His contract was done. Yeah. And so he was out of work. And so they, along with Trump, had a couple of other leads that they were investigating. And um, to put it bluntly, there was a cow with a lot of cash that they Mm. could milk. Yeah. And so some of the things that Gates did were checks that were written by the Trump campaign. like So some of the things that Gates bought were bought with Trump campaign money. Wow. That's, okay. that's So it's, it's, a, it's a super fascinating story. I'll have some additional links on filter.show slash 290.
17: The key to the special counsel's case, Rick Gates, says that the Mueller team told him if he cooperated, flipped, testified against Paul Manafort, they'd be okay with a sentence of probation for initially lying to the feds. But that if he didn't, he could face 290 years in prison. So the oh. Mueller team, Gates testified, prepped him for more than 20 hours.
0: So they come at him with... Essentially 300 years of prison time or you work with us and then when they work with him, they prep him for 20 hours on how to answer these questions. Yeah.
17: To
2: test- well, it's kind of like the old uh, "What would uh, catch me if you can. You know, we can put you away for 30 years yeah. for check fraud <laughs> or you work with us in the yeah. FBI. In the That's, financial and it, and it always
0: works right, especially if you got kids, you got a wife, you got a life.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, he, and he's trying to represerve his beard. I know. He, I mean, he just uh, right. shaved the beard. Yeah, so, that beard's
0: know. worth more than
17: Manafort. Absolutely. <laughs> so the Mueller team, Gates testified, prepped him for more than twenty hours to testify against his old boss. But as soon as the Manafort defense lawyer started asking Gates questions, they got him to admit that he's led a secret life in London, which included a girlfriend, not his wife, and a rented flat. Gates then testified he would figure out ways to trick Paul Manafort into paying his personal American Express bill and that it's possible he may have fraudulently submitted personal expenses to be paid by the Trump inaugural committee. The Manafort defense team believes they have exposed the Mueller team star as unreliable. That's why Manafort lawyer Kevin Downing asked, After all the lies you've told and fraud you have committed, you expect this jury to believe you? And Gates said, I am here to tell the truth and take responsibility for my actions. Mr. Manafort had the same path. I am here, I have accepted responsibility, and I am trying to change.
0: I bet he is I now. bet he is, too. After Absolutely. 300 years in prison being hung over his head. Yeah. I bet. The the uh, the issue I have is, so, uh, again, none of that has anything to do with Putin's chess. It's about money. It's about Ukraine. It's got nothing Not to do. Not paying taxes. Yeah, yeah. It's got nothing to do with collusion. It's got nothing to do with Russia. And, and when I look at real collusion, and I... I know that's just saying this makes me sound like a partisan, but it's genuinely just as I see it, the facts. We now know, thanks to some new release documents last week, that the FBI, so here's the order of custody. A Republican camp begins to pay for the Steele dossier. Then when they're done, after they decided to raise the white flag and just bend over to Donald Trump, then they hand it off. And a law firm on behalf of Clinton and the DNC takes up the Steele dossier All right. and begins paying Christopher Steele and Fusion GPS for his work. And then when they're done, there's now a new client that we know about who picked up the tab and continued to pay Christopher Steele to continue to do his work as far as into November of
2: 2016.
18: Wow.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Now, here's the weird thing. It's the FBI.
18: The FBI has released 71 pages of alleged correspondence between the Bureau and Christopher Steele, the former British spy who authored a dossier alleging collusion between Donald Trump and Russia. The records show FBI payments to Steele as a confidential human source over an unknown period. They also show that Steele told the FBI he had informed a third party he was acting as a source for the Bureau. However, the document is mostly empty, with important information removed, so much so that it almost looks like a blank form. And it follows the FBI's release of documents on former Trump adviser Carter Page, with most of the text heavily redacted in that too. Let's cross live now to investigative journalist Max Blumenthal for his take. Hi, Max, good to have you on the show. Why is the FBI releasing these documents so heavily Redacted. What's the point in that?
6: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not... These documents aren't heavily redacted. They are completely whited out. It's a literal whitewash. I mean, in this 71-page file, there's more white than at a Coldplay concert for the Republican an National Convention. It is all white. It's, a, it's, it's shocking, really. Really? Uh, really? One, you the went The things they acknowledge, the FBI no. acknowledges, is that it was paying... Christopher Steele until November first, 2016. So first of all, James Comey, who was the director of the FBI at the time, has feigned ignorance about who is paying Christopher Steele. So
0: yeah, that's one thing. Like Comey, when he was up there
6: testifying, was like, oh, I don't know, I don't know. But
0: he w- they were paying. The FBI was paying until
6: November. Ooh. That's interesting. And number two, it acknowledges mm-hmm. that Steele's contract was terminated because he had been the source for an article by Michael Isakoff which was specifically designed to get the word out about the Steele dossier so it could be dropped after Trump's election.
0: And what's even even weirder, so the FBI fires him essentially for talking to the press, but then the FBI uses the story that's created by those leaks to justify in part the fisa tap on trump tower right so if he hadn't leaked it they would all they would all they would have is the dossier right. but because they had a news article that made the dossier seem legitimate they were able to get that fisa warrant
2: right was, but if he had
0: if right. he hadn't leaked they wouldn't be able to refer to that
6: news story to get the fisa warrant
2: isn't that weird? It's very weird, the order of operations.
6: perfectly designed to get the word out about the Steele dossier so it could be dropped after Trump's election.
18: Uh, apologies to many people of color who are Coldplay fans, of course. <laughs> How uh, do you expect, uh, tell me, uh, <laughs> President Trump to react to this release? He's been claiming this was a political hit job against his campaign from day one.
6: Yeah, I mean, this is... Um Well, despite the complete redaction, it it does confirm part of Trump's narrative that the FBI was colluding with the Clinton campaign, because we also know that Christopher Steele had been employed uh, through Fusion GPS, the opposition research firm, and the contract was taken out by Perkins Coy, Mm -hmm. which was the law firm of Hillary Clinton's campaign. So this shows a clear case of collusion between the FBI, directed by James Comey, And the Clinton campaign. And another thing we know Mm -hmm. is that Christopher Steele continued supplying information to the FBI after his contract with the FBI was terminated through Bruce Orr, an FBI official who is married to a staffer at Fusion GPS. It's very embarrassing for uh, people who are trying to prove Trump-Russia collusion.
0: So even after they fired Steele, they continued to get information through a Fusion GPS partner a marital partner who was married to an FBI person. I I, I just, I would love to just, again, I'm going to do this in the overtime too. I I just would love to create space here for a moment. If you were to remove yourself from the election, if you were to remove yourself from the Russia investigation, if you were to remove yourself from Donald Trump's Twitter feed, and you just sat here in in a vacuum and somebody dropped on you that, Two different FBI agents, a a man and a woman, texted about colluding in Andy's office about preventing Donald Trump from becoming president. And that information that the Clinton campaign financed through a law firm was used to wiretap Donald Trump so that way they could collect dirt on him. And that the FBI director was in on all of it, as well as his lieutenant, (laughs) Peter Strzok. If you just received all of this information in a vacuum, this would be in itself just the dossier and the FBI's involvement and the Clinton campaign's involvement in itself would be one of the largest scandals in the history of our nation. And and, and in today's climate, it's just part of the news cycle. It's just one of the many items we're talking about.
2: Well, it's because what is considered outrageous is always superseded by something else that's just as outrageous. It's fascinating. It's like the gem song, truly outrageous, right? I mean, gosh, I,
0: I, I believe at some point. Like, I, I hope it's, I hope it's years from now. I hope it's, I hope it's maybe even a president or two down the road. I hope a future version of me comes back and
2: re-downloads the entire
0: show and listens to this entire progression. Well, that's, with the hindsight of five or ten years. Well, that you know?
2: that's that's the. That's the cool thing about this show where it is a digital time capsule where you're able to go back and see what happened three, four years ago. You know, we're talking about election night or whatever, and just see, just watch how everything will repeat itself probably in five to 10 years time, but with opposite parties again, you, we will see this kind of thing. If yeah. it's not Russia, it's going to be a different yeah. country. It's, it's I hope this, this needs to stop overall, but I, and
0: I believe, and I hope that over 290 episodes, we've created a model in which the audience can view events and view news and listen to politicians and listen to news presenters and they can critically analyze and think about what they're saying.
2: The the thing you got to be careful about in in doing that is putting yourself in your own confirmation bias and bubble. Right, right. You know, I, I mean, I think I, I hope, mean that's I what mean, I'm
0: saying is I hope this show helped people get outside of that a
2: little. I mean, bit. so 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 far. I mean, I know, we're, you know you're know you keeping track at home. We've had a Fox clip. <laughs> yeah. We've had an MSN NBC clip. Yep. We've had, I believe we've had a CNN clip. Yep. And we've had an RT clip. Did you, and we've also had an
0: NBC. Just oh, straight, and
2: NBC. Oh, straight yeah. NBC. So it's one of those things where, yes, you can look at all those media sources, but you also, you know, look outside of them. You know, look at alternative media. And I know you can get extreme fringes on both sides, but you got to get, like, well-informed on this yeah. stuff.
0: Yeah. I feel like as this show is wrapping, we are on the precipice of a real dichotomy, like a fork in the road. You can be subject to the ultimate confirmation bias of humanity's history, where you can be trapped in a a social bubble. You can be trapped in a Google curated news bubble. You can really get inside next level, like inception level confirmation bias. Yeah, And yet at the same time, if you're willing to be brave enough, if you're willing to challenge what makes you comfortable, you can also get access to information that's way outside of your normal radar. Oh yeah, it's it's a fascinating contrast.
2: Oh yeah, no, I mean, in doing this show and always trying to keep up to date on what's happening in in our news and current events, you see it. I mean, I I was watching. I mean, last night I was watching CNN uh, and their quote unquote wall to wall breaking news coverage Ooh. of these midterm things.
0: You know, they finally got over the fact that Jim Acosta had a hard time at one Trump rally.
2: <laughs> yeah. Which, by the way, I, I mean, I don't want even want to go down that path in, in talking about— Dude, the, I get the, more the,
0: shit from Mac the, users when I go to a tech event.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, there there are some passionate people uh, that, you know—and uh, rightfully so. You know, the media has shown their bias at times. And, well, and, CNN's really been kind of a crap show. Yeah, yeah. Some people on CNN, I wouldn't say all of them. Yeah,
0: well, no, I'd say all. of them. I,
2: I love Anderson. Who? I'm sorry, Anderson. Anderson's, Anderson's my favorite. No, I I'm kidding. Know. I'm messing with you, man. Here's the
0: thing. Here's the thing about Anderson, man. Is he sounds like he's on heroin or something? I sound
11: but- like you're on heroin or something? What? <laughs>
2: You've been waiting to use that clip.
11: You've been holding on for 290
2: episodes. Oh my
0: gosh, it's Anderson.
2: There you go. There you go.
0: (laughs) Two of them, dude. I got two. I know. All right. So um, Michael Cohen has been singing like um, an opera singer about all of the truths. And so you must have been wondering while he's singing, they must be applying some kind of leverage to really get him to go. Well, it turns out. Just as you likely suspected, they're using the Al Capone leverage.
1: The feds are investigating President Trump's former fixer for tax fraud. That's according to our, course, our corporate cousins at the Wall Street Journal. Michael Cohen is already facing other possible legal trouble for hush money payments to women before the 2016 election. Cohen has admitted that he gave 130 grand to porn star Stormy Daniels. He claims she had sex with President Trump a decade before he took office. The president denies it. Now the Wall Street Journal is reporting that the feds are also interested in whether Michael Cohen underreported income from his taxi business. What? On his tax returns. <gasps> A
0: taxi business? Underreported its taxes?
1: Oh my God. <laughs> no. Michael Cohen's attorney, Lanny Davis, tells Fox News that he can't respond because of the ongoing investigation, so as we learn of possible legal trouble, more of it for Cohen, will the former fixer flip on his ex-boss? There's a new question. Bob Bianchi's here. He's a criminal. I would say already
0: has. <laughs> <laughs> when he releases the tapes, he's, he's yeah. flipped. That's how you know he's flipped. When the, when the tapes get released, he's flipped. All right, Mr. Nunes, what do you, want, you want to keep moving along? Uh, there's so many things. Peter Strzok is in the news this week. We'll have some of that in the overtime. So if you want to know more about what he's in the news for, that'll be in the overtime. But... Your really good buddy, who my, says crazy my crap, yeah, is in the news. Oh, and well, I got a lot of good friends, so feel like I feel like this is the worst possible thing to come up for episode two ninety, because now I'm in the position of having to defend.
2: Fucking Alex Jones. Oh, no, I thought, wait, I thought it was going to be Adam Schiff, my bad.
8: Uh, (laughs) He's making up a heinous lie about tragic deaths, something you can be sued for, or is it covered by freedom of speech? That's an issue being litigated in a case in which the parents of a child killed in the 2012 massacre at Sandy Hook Elementary School are suing InfoWars host Alex Jones for defamation for his repeated claims that the massacre is a hoax. Here's a sampler of Jones' assertions that the family finds actionable.
0: All right. Um I'm playing this clip for context, so Alex Jones is getting sued for defamation, which uh I think he's likely to win because uh <laughs> you're not gonna find Alex Jones is likely to win or yeah. the fan- okay right. unless 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 the court is stacked, Alex Jones is likely to win because you will not find a single instance of audio of Alex Jones defamating the name of a child, the name of a family, the name of a mom or dad, or any particular individual instance of this shooting. And I think for defamation to hold, you've got to prove that you in particular have been defamed.
2: Right. And the one thing I was going to say, you know, in our chat rooms jump on, a First Amendment, free speech. Well, But it's under the same guise of you can't, like, go into a movie theater and yell out fire. Just because you have the amendment doesn't mean... Yeah. Yeah. So... But you're right. If, well, if he's uh, not specific, yeah, you're right.
0: Let's not get there yet. Yeah. Let's,
2: let's take our time with this one because I think this
0: matters to podcasting in a big way. So I, wanna, I want everyone to understand the context of which uh, Alex Jones finds himself. Also, if you would like to see Alex Jones have a complete emotional breakdown, uh, watch the overtime from 289.
8: It's a hoax. Here's a sampler of Jones' assertions that the family finds actionable.
0: The official story of Sandy
8: Hook
19: has more holes in it than Swiss cheese. My gut tells me the White House people controlling the governments were involved in this
0: now they these clips of Alex Jones now are from when we started this show before Sandy Hook. These clips here, in some cases, when he's in this old studio
2: the pre yeah. are,
0: are pre Sandy Hook in yeah. some cases, not all of them, but some of these clips they're intersplicing here are not actually relevant. To him talking about Sandy Hook Uh, Just to point that out Yeah, My gut tells me the White
19: House People controlling the governments Were involved in this So don't ever think the globalists that have hijacked this country Wouldn't stage something like this They kill little kids all day, every day And it's not our government, it's the globalists
8: I mean, they're doing it They're doing it, they're staging it In court, Jones's lawyer admitted, quote, maybe it's fringe speech. Maybe it's dangerous speech. That's not defamation. That's rhetorical hyperbole at its core. He's trying to get the case dismissed under the Texas Citizens Participation Act, which protects citizens' rights to free speech against plaintiffs who aim to silence them through costly litigation.
0: All right. So that is uh, sort of the background for this week's news, because that's from weeks ago.
2: Now, question. Does the person involved have a mustache?
0: <laughs> you know how we feel about mustaches. I know. <laughs> you know how we feel about. Them. Do you not
2: have that clip anymore?
0: I don't know. Let me see. I, I mean, not red. I mean, since
2: you know, I, we are the original. I mean, mustaches. Have we not been mocking Alex Jones for years? I know we have, but I mean, if we're if, if we're gonna go out on this, you know, and we're busting out old clips. And old soundboard
3: oh, items that, I don't you've know been, if I have that you don't
0: have. Right. I don't. I don't stock because we don't talk about Alex Jones. I don't stock
2: I like mustaches. I do too. Yeah.
0: Uh, but you know, if if you were going to go after Alex Jones, there is plenty of things you could go after him for. But sure. this one feels like one of the weaker defenses because it's from years ago. It's not directly against a particular child or particular parent. It's it's sort of weak sauce. Um, and so that was a couple of weeks ago. This week, in what I think is the first time we've ever seen this, YouTube, Facebook, Spotify, Apple, and SoundCloud, and others, all in unison, pulled all Alex Jones podcasts from their you know respective directories.
18: He suggested the Sandy Hook school shooting was a hoax. And that these September 11th terror attacks were an inside job by the government. I'm talking about Alex Jones. He is the founder of InfoWars, and he is now feeling the heat himself. YouTube, Facebook, and Apple all announcing they're removing his content from their platforms.
0: Can you think of another large podcast that has been pulled from iTunes because of, well, these reasons?
2: No, I have not.
18: Here's how YouTube explained its decision. Quote, when users violate policies repeatedly, like our policies against hate speech and harassment or our terms prohibiting circumvention of our enforcement measures, we terminate their accounts. With me now. Uh
0: That's YouTube and many others had similar thoughts uh, and, and some argued this is the morally correct thing to do. This is what we must do because Alex Jones's speech is not only wrong and incorrect and fake news, but it's dangerous. Yeah,
20: and Willie, uh, speaking of companies having to step up, it does seem that some large tech companies have stepped up.
0: Step up. You notice these terminologies. Yeah. Step
20: up. Against InfoWars and a host that uh, not only has made the life of, of of parents whose children were slaughtered at Sandy Hook back in 2012, December of 2012. Because Joe cares. Made their lives a living hell, with many of them having to move from one.
0: Joe, by the way, isn't in studio because he's out fucking Mika in the sunshine, so they have to do this remotely. Just so you know, by the way, that's why he's not in studio right now.
20: So, but he cares. He cares a lot. One place to another and getting threats against their own lives because of lies that he's spreading about them. But also last week, shockingly enough, or maybe it was two weeks ago, uh, accusing Robert Mueller of running a child prostitution ring and then holding up his finger... Uh, like it's a gun and simulating the oh shooting of Robert Mueller and
0: a radio host held up his finger like a gun and simulated shooting Robert Mueller uh, a radio host. That's so damaging.
2: You might hate what I'm going to say. No, no,
0: I want to hear it. I want to hear a counterpoint.
2: Google, uh, YouTube, Well, you Google, YouTube, same thing. Facebook, right? Um, I don't know the other ones. You know, those are platforms that they decide to make their own rules. I completely agree. And I've always been a believer of owning your own content, meaning you are your own host. You put your stuff on your own stuff if you can um, and because no one can take that away from you because it's yours, right? And that will protect you in the First Amendment's rights. Outside of that, you have to abide by the terms of service of those providers. Yeah, you want to go play on that
0: playground, you've got now, to follow their rules.
2: Now, I'm not saying that what they did, you know, is not consistent with other users that I've seen on those platforms. And, you know, I have seen many people, in, especially in the gaming community, get removed and taken down. And they have to fight tooth and nail because of bogus DMCA's and, oh, yeah. and the, that we, sort of thing. Or we get pulled down every other oh, week. Oh, absolutely. And, and so... To say, you know, I mean, first off, you know, I don't usually agree with most of what Alex Jones says because a lot of the stuff he says is fringe out there for me. However, um, you know what? That It's within their right to do, and they're probably succumbing to either public pressure, stockholder pressure, or both. I agree. You know?
0: Yeah, and the thing I... is, is this is their right as private platforms, and if you don't like it, then what you really don't like is the centralization right. of the internet. Yeah. The centralization yep. of the internet is what
2: makes this possible. Yeah um that doesn't mean i have to like it no but and they need to be consistent and and that's the part that bugs the hell out of me is you see one thing that applies to somebody else but it doesn't apply to you or vice versa you know it it, the 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 enforcement's not consistent if i'm a small youtuber i don't have a contact person to my account so there isn't somebody that i can pick up the phone and call and say hey why is there's a strike here why has my video been pulled down it's pulling down my revenue you know yeah, what I worry this is about? Not a consistent.
0: Here's what I worry about: is uh, I worry about the moving of the goalpost intellectually. Yeah. I worry about uh, what is allowed discourse to continue to become tighter and tighter and tighter. I worry about a world in which Alex Jones is considered the fringe of allowed discourse. When Alex, when and I think we both think of it this way, when Alex Jones is considered the fringe, I think we have a real problem. Yeah. There is no fringe. There is just different ideas. And when we start labeling people as fringe, what happens is we have our protectors like your iTunes and your YouTubes and your Facebook who will come in and they will say this level of speech, this ring, if you will. Let's say it's a ring like and there's different rings. This ring of speech is no longer allowed. We're going to bring that ring in a little bit tighter because that is offensive that harms people that speech harms people so we're going to bring this in a little tighter but the problem is is then that new tightness becomes the new normal right and when then there will be another controversy somebody at that outer new fringe will say something crazy and that and that something crazy will be like saudi arabia it has horrible human rights issues. Oh, like, yeah. Who knows? that? Or that new crazy could be something that's strong against Israel. Or that new crazy could be something that claims that Hillary Clinton and Bill Clinton have a long list of people that they've murdered. Right. Like, there could be a new normal now that when you say something like that is so outrageous that the platforms must protect us from this harmful speech. And we must bring that ring in a little bit tighter. And it won't be long until shows like Unfilter and No Agenda... And Jimmy and Jimmy Dore on YouTube and others are now within that ring and they will now be affected. It starts with Alex Jones, but then it
2: creates a new normal of what's allowed. But then I think that gives the opportunity and opening for not just those people that have either been removed from YouTube or Facebook to go out and create their own platform. Well, and to go out and yes. do it and do their own thing. It depends though. So and, you know, if, if, you had, if you can. So let's just thought yeah. experiment here for a moment. Yeah. Um, if
0: let's say YouTube and iTunes shut down the unfiltered show, our existing audience would continue to listen, but you've been doing podcasts oh, for yeah. a long time,
2: you know, discoverability,
0: nobody knew would find us. Yep. This show would essentially stagnate. Yep. That would be what they accomplish. Right.
2: So we would be
0: essentially dead in the water. But Alex Jones, because of the reach that he has, plus, uh, I used to work with a guy years ago who was a Alex Jones premium subscriber. Before, before Alex Jones was posting clips on YouTube and, and uploading podcasts that were published on iTunes, he was selling everything through a paid portal. That model kind of fell apart, and to his credit, he, he, he realigned, and he adopted the, the, the free platforms. Right. But that audience, that core audience, followed him to a paid platform. They would follow him again. To a paid platform. Yeah. Alex Jones becomes a martyr. Alex Jones becomes the man they had to shut down because he knew too much. Alex Jones must have been onto the truth. He was telling the truth, so they had to shut him uh, down.
2: Ah, I see where you're going. So yeah. go
0: subscribe at Infowars.com.
2: Right, yeah.
0: Meanwhile, a show like Unfilter would be totally dead in the water. So people like Alex Jones, who are really loud and, and are strong personalities that draw people in, especially the beta sheep... They're going to do great, and small independent publishers are going to be ground down. Well, and do you silenced. think?
2: But do you think though, possibly that the reason why they took notice was because of how big he was? Like the small guy wouldn't necessarily be effective because you're not even a blimp on their on YouTube's radar. Because I mean, there's plenty of videos on there of you know people beating up each other. You uh, know what Alex thinks? <laughs> What's that? I'll play a little bit okay. of his statement. Yeah. And this
0: is part of what pissed YouTube off. And this is one of the reasons he got kicked off of YouTube is he keeps going on other channels. So Alex Jones, after he got his channel shut down, went on another channel to make a statement. Ha! <laughs> These are different clips of pages that are talking about Alex Jones getting kicked we off. We knew it was coming.
19: The whole thing was formulaic. First, demonize InfoWars, lie about us, build a straw man then sue us to add credibility to that, then have a few fake strikes on YouTube and Facebook with nebulous terms like bullying children and Islamophobia, and then voila, two weeks later, ban Infowars completely off of dozens of major platforms where we were all in the top five or top ten news feeds. CNN, MSNBC, the rest of the dying news system like the New York Times and the Washington Post, groups that are propped up by the Mexican kingpin in the case of the New York Times, Carlos Slim, in the case of the Washington Post, Jeff Bezos, they can't allow something like InfoWars with a fraction of the crew or the money to be ranked higher than them on iTunes
0: or on YouTube. I actually think he's right. Uh, so if you – I think yeah, I have it. Uh, but a, go look for TV ads. Go Google TV TV ads. Um, I just looked at the numbers. Uh, I'm not. I'm not saying this to brag. I'm. I'm honestly not saying this to brag. I have. I have legitimately had episodes of a Linux Action Show that have had more downloads than CNN is getting in views sometimes during the day. Oh yeah, yeah. As a totally. podcast. Yeah. So if I can achieve that, I am. I am without doubt that Alex Jones can achieve that. Sure. And his argument is that they had to shut him down. Now, Sandy Hook. The shooting in Sandy Hook happened December 14th, 2012. So they're currently screwing him over something that happened in 2012. I don't know if you know this, but this is 2018. So he may have a bit of a point here. It may be one part silencing. It may be one part punishing those that are connected to Trump. And I bet you it's a lot of parts, let's just get this guy quiet before he gets any bigger.
2: Or... (laughs) <laughs> or this, this is you know his way of obviously spinning it for. Oh, it is. Yeah, yeah, totally.
0: I mean, he's got a logo, Infowars, with a censored thing across. Like they, they are, they're already they're embracing it. They're yeah. already making hay out of yeah.
2: this. Yeah, and and that and that's where it's like, I understand the frustration. While I don't agree with some of his messaging, of course, in it, I understand it. Like I totally get it. And, you know, if we ever got to that point and we're all of a sudden, yeah, we need to take these guys out, you know, boom, there goes the channel. It's easy. I and- just wish we could exist in a society
0: where there could be someone who is loud about an idea that is so counter to everything you believe, and yet there is space allowed for it. Right. Like, ideas are not action. Yeah. Actions are actions. Right. Like, if I, like, if I think about punching you in the face— <laughs> That is dramatically different than actually punching you in the face, Absolutely, right? yeah. I just wish there was space for both. Yeah. I, I really do. Also, I feel like we should look at the way everybody behaves on the internet, the way people behave when they're driving in traffic. Like, people get upset. Uh, are you sure about that? Yeah. <laughs> Think about it. The way people get uh, road
2: rage, yeah.
0: would, they would never do that in person. But when, no. you're, when you're in the safety of your own little car, oh, that son of a bitch, that dumb idiot, you know, people get all upset. They get yeah. all worked up, just like they do online, just yeah. like they do in chat rooms and Twitter. But if if they were stand if they were sitting in a room talking to each other, they would never say those things. No, no. It's this that same that same concept of road rage applies to the internet. It just
2: comes back to communication in general.
0: We have yeah. to like. I feel like we just have to make
2: room for
0: things that upset us, right? Because it gives us an opportunity intellectually to grow. And,
2: and that and that's where if there's something that is being said that I, that I particularly disagree with, I don't turn them off. Right. You know, it's a matter of sure. – as as long as there is an actual active two-way communication where – You're not just yelling at you. We're not you. just – I'm just not yelling at you to make a it's point. It's not about like making – call names. We're listening to each other more than we're speaking to each other. That's where we can make a difference. And unfortunately, right now it's – we're seeing the divide becoming more and more splintered and more and more wedged. Well, if you
0: if you are concerned about this, uh, your federal government oh. is on the case. Oh, great. Which .gov website do I go to? I have a couple of links in the show notes to read more. But the idea is maybe the whole problem with social networking is that we need to regulate
11: it. Uh Uh-oh. My interest here is that for the social media companies, there's just a mismatch of incentives.
2: Uh Uh-oh. We got
11: a mismatch of incentives.
2: Yeah, we're not getting our fair share.
11: The social media companies, they want users and clicks and impressions and inflammatory uh, and often, often false content.
0: Not politicians, though. Politicians never want any of those things. No. So they do not have a mismatch of incentives. Not right. politicians. They don't want attention. They don't use false news to their advantage. They don't try to get as much attention as possible. So oh, we can trust the politicians to regulate social media. What could ever go wrong?
11: My interest here is that for the social media companies, there's just a mismatch of incentives. The social media companies, they want users and clicks and impressions and inflammatory uh, and often often false content creates that. So even when the companies can't or haven't decided to identify a certain account as either foreign or nefarious, they can still downgrade the posts to limit their exposure. This is an equal or worse problem with conspiracies and junk news as it is with foreign Influence. My quest- so
0: the issue is, anyone in the world can sign up for Twitter. Did you know this? No. Yeah, it's a huge problem. Oh, boy. And even if they're not a verified account, they can still tweet something that gets retweeted. So we have to do
11: something about this. The question here would be, uh, for the three of you, do you think these down-ranking programs are effective? Are they the kind of thing that ought to be considered uh, Part of the kind of toolbox as we look to deal with this problem, Ms. Resta and the rest of you. How's your
2: toolbox, Chase? Uh, my toolbox is pretty good.
0: Yeah. So Ron Wyden is worried about uh, the social network ne- uh, companies' toolboxes. And we'll have a few more links in the show notes if you're worried about those toolboxes as well. I know I sure am. Yeah. I feel like as we're on our last episode, there are so many headwinds to actually getting real information right now. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it would be really hard to start this show. Oh, where where would you start? I don't know. Where would you start right now? Could you imagine trying to start a show like this in 2018? Oh, my. There's rumors of a new community effort by people that you may know, and I just, I don't even, I I can't even imagine how they would do it. Can you imagine? Mr. Chase, before we move on, before we get to the high note, should we take
2: a moment? Let's take a moment to head on over and check out our sack. Not that sack. No! (laughs) Hey, I want to say right here uh, before we jump into the sack at patreon.com slash unfilter that uh, all of you uh, who took the time and energy to write into us is greatly appreciated. Uh, we will miss you all. And it's one of those situations for me where I, I, I was trying to come up with some words uh, of things to say and, I know. And, and, and try to share with you guys. And,
0: or even try to summarize gals. all of the feedback that we got. That's but, one of the things um, we've been talking about is like, how do we go through it all?
2: But to tell you guys just straight up from me that, you know, doing the show with Chris and, and and seeing what it's turned into has been truly an honor and a privilege uh, to do this and also to be able to talk to you guys every single week. And the uh, only thing I've ever tried to do is just uh, try to be as fair as possible and to, um, to build upon myself and become more informed about the world around us and through this community you know it's just been phenomenal
0: yeah it really and has in fact this feedback has has it's been really really good for me because there were some rough times with our subreddit oh yeah and some of the feedback that we've gotten especially during the election that was rough on Chase and I uh, uh, but to just to just to see the awesome awesome amount of feedback that we got yeah. the last post that Chase did on the Patreon was open to the public and we just got so so many yeah, and they, people are commenting across multiple threads and like just such a solid, awesome, great community.
2: If if there's any kind of uh, you know wish that I would uh, implore on all of you, because uh, I know that there are hardcore you know D Democrats that listen to our show. There are hardcore Republicans that listen to our show. After this they're, show, you think li- so? They're yeah, absolutely liberty. <laughs> I, I bet there's people of all shapes and sizes. All I hope is, you know, at the end of the day, we're able to listen and talk to each other. And also, please engage and vote. Uh, Just a personal story. I live in a a town of about 68,000 people. And we had our primary election yesterday. And I've seen so much hate about, you know, taxes and, you know, politicians never listen to us. And only 8,000 people voted. So... If you complain about what's happening in our world and you don't vote, you can go F yourself. (laughs) You need to engage. You need to get off your chair and just pay attention to what's going on. Even if you turn off all the news and everything that's going on in the world, make sure that you at least know what the hell is happening right now. So... That being said, I'm going to open up the sack. Now, we don't have, unfortunately, the time to go through all no way. the comments. No. Uh, but we will uh, pick out a few. Uh, you know, First off, I just want to say, hey, uh, this uh, comes in from Drew. says, in the morning, gents. <laughs> I'm Connect in the chat not nearly as often as I hope. And I'm, while I haven't been able to tune in live, I've always found great joy in listening to the deconstruction and discussion in each episode. I cannot thank you all enough for the work that you've done. The world has grown increasingly harsh, but folks like you and the No Gender Boys have kept me sane these last few years. I'll keep rocking that awesome Unfilter hoodie and keep proclaiming, show me the money! Nice. Jonathan Wrightson says, hey, I found you guys about three to four years ago when I googled unbiased politics podcast. Hey, nice. I went through in a few top five unbiased blah-blahs. And after sampling a bunch, you guys and No Agenda were the only two consistently to get to the bottom of the issues without protecting a side. So refreshing. I like you guys better than No Agenda because you're funny without spending the extra hour with digressions and witticisms. Uh, Adam Curley, mostly. Uh, That's what he said, not me. Uh, Love the overtime. Hello, Nancy is great. What a faith healer! Uh
15: (laughs) We may need some faith healers.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And I learned a ton about CBDs in the High Note. Thank you. You know, we got a
0: lot about that. Um, We got a lot about the High Note, and surprising amount of people that. Uh, wrote in about O'Nancy too, which surprised me. I did, a lot of people, uh, I guess, got value out of the O'Nancy segment, which I just didn't expect. That's just a recurring segment we do in the overtime. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'll give a plug here uh, to a couple of shows. Uh, number one, I'll give a plug. We just mentioned to Adam and John show, but I'll also give a plug if you are on the left or progressive, but you want somebody that hasn't lost it yet. Uh, <laughs> I think Jimmy Dore does a, does a pretty good job of doing that. There is, there are... Decent outlets of news on YouTube if you're willing to sit down and listen and uh, sort of sort it all out. Yeah.
2: Kind of declutter it, if you will. Declutter it. Uh, Joshua Mayer writes in from Germany and says, Hey, greetings to the both of you. Uh, Since about a year ago, you have been providing me with an insight perspective on events and politics in the United States. A perspective that the German media doesn't and probably can't provide. Let me just say that I highly appreciate this last year of shows. I understand your decision because occasionally I find myself turning away from the frustrating realities in politics where nothing seems to be getting better. And everything, excuse me, and everybody is fighting flame wars on the smallest of issues. This is when I turn away to focus on things that I enjoy and actually get better, such as Linux. I hope you will be able to fill those hours preparing and filter with something more gratifying. And you know, Joshua, my wife was uh, just saying to me the other day, Uh, That Hey, that's going to give you more time to do tech and pinball and stuff. I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Um, Nathan and Bethany writes in and says, Hey, my husband and I found your show in 2016 after Dan Carlin started releasing, quote, Common Sense less frequently. It must be a show. And we uh, hope to find another reasonable alternative perspective to mainstream media. I wish that we had found you sooner. And we have enjoyed every episode since started listening. Your show has been deeply meaningful to us, especially in processing the nonsense of the 2016 election and all that followed. (laughs) I don't know how long you plan to leave the Patreon account active, but we plan to leave our support active for the next six months if that's an option. Stop it. I hope other patrons will consider doing the same to aid in your transition.
0: You know, that is, jeez, that's so generous. Can I I just pause you for a second? Yeah, go for it. Uh, so we had, uh, we had a patron who upgraded to 33 yeah. this week.
2: Um, yeah, we I saw a, that too.
0: That, that just like, I don't know, man. Like that just meant, I don't know how to describe that. No, I, I, I don't know Because obviously, it's not about the money. No, no. It's just not about the money.
2: No, I point. mean, I, and I think we talked about this on last week's episode, that mm-hmm. we are at the highest level of support we've yeah, ever been at. It's, it's not about it, the money. It's not about support at this point. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, 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 we've come up, we've obviously have the model, we've sustained ourselves. But it's this all the, uh, the baggage, <laughs> if that's the right word to put in it. Well, yeah. I um, mean, political baggage, I so, guess. So here's a couple of things we're doing
0: uh, yeah. just, to kind of, just to kind of make it right. right. Uh, number one thing we're doing is we're going to make the BitTorrent sync of our clips public.
2: The open archive the will be Supporter sync yeah. will be
0: public. Yeah. Uh, that'll be posted in the show notes at unfiltered.show/slash 290. So if you've ever wanted to get all of the clips, the source code to the is show, your time. It's, we're going to make it available to yeah. everybody. I think the patrons would be cool with that. And I think, uh, I think some of them have been looking for it. I think that's a good way to do that. Number two, uh, I, I would ask you if you would still like to support our work to go over to patreon.com/slash Jupiter Signal because I have plans. Probably in a month or two, to announce some big investments that I intend to do with that funding. And uh, now that we are spinning down on filter, we will need that support more than ever because there will be a monetary loss, obviously. Yeah. With stopping the show, because again, it's it's not about the money. No. It's about making really tough choices, really tough choices that make sustainability in the future possible. And uh, I won't lie, like when I when I rendered out. The intro video today. When I when I rendered out my last intro video for this show, I got a little teary. Well, like it was I, a moment for me, dude.
2: Well, you know, as I was driving here. Now I usually have a meeting on Wednesdays, and that's why I'm usually late. But today it was canceled. Uh, by the way, today is eight eight eighteen. Eight <laughs> I is, I believe, a, a good luck number in the Chinese culture. <laughs> Isn't that so. Crazy? Um. By the way, some have asked, and actually, I saw it throw uh, come by in the chat room. What's going to happen with me? Does this mean I'm quitting Jupiter Broadcasting? No, no, no. we're just we're no. no. <laughs> uh, Chase I'm, and
0: I have have just always enjoyed working together. Yeah. And, so we'll find other things to oh, do. Oh
2: yeah. I mean, especially we got this new Star Trek series that's going to be coming down the pipe. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh. I know, and it's like I've already uh, spoken with my friends at work. Like, dude, this something has to happen here. Make it so. Um. Uh, make it so. Um. But no. I'm
0: owning that. By the way, I'm gonna. We should go register before we publish this. You should register, make it so. Come to on, shouldn't it's... that be the new show's name? Make yeah, it. Yeah, but so? I bet
2: it's already taken. You better do it right oh. now. Well, I mean, I'm. I'm checking. Uh, not, anyways, but. not to. Uh, but no, to to but get but but but, but 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 that, but that being said. Um, <laughs> I think I mean out of there's so many great comments in here. Uh oh, um, I know. And, I read all uh, of them.
0: I read I read every single one yeah, of
2: them. Yeah, me too. Um you know, as they as they would come in, um just to give my personal recommendations for political podcasts, I honestly don't listen to that many because yeah. I'm so focused on this show. Mm-hmm. Uh but I I definitely have to uh, toss it back uh, to to Adam and John uh, with No Agenda. If it wasn't for No Agenda and Chris deciding to donate into that show, this show today wouldn't have happened. I, I'm, believe, I'm a believer of how things happen in our universe because I wouldn't have reached out to Chris. Yeah. Chris and I would not have chatted about and said, yeah. hey, let's try to do a different type of political show. And here we are. And so five years later, uh, it's been an incredible journey, an incredible ride. Right, and, it has. Um, and I can't, I'll just add on to yeah. that. Uh,
0: I, I would encourage whatever show, and there's a bunch in our public Patreon comments, so you can go through there if you're looking for ones. Please, please try to find one that if it, if it, if it isn't unbiased, please try to find one on each side of the spectrum. Um, try to find something that makes you just slightly uncomfortable, even if you don't listen to it every single week. Listen to it from time to time and just try to hear the other side's story. Please do that. Please try to take the the concepts and the frameworks in yeah, which we have please. used to view this stuff, to think about all of this. And I I feel like you probably have already nailed that, to be honest with yeah. you. You guys probably know the unfilter formula at this point. And so uh do that. I'll give one more I'll give one more recommendation. Um <clears throat> this is kind of more on the uh on the uh, progressive side, I suppose. But I've been I I listen to uh, the New York Times The Daily about three times a week or so. They do a decent job of, of, you know, giving you the New York York Times perspective, which, again, I think is pretty valuable to have. So whatever you're listening to, try to take in, try to think of yourself as like, um, you know. Have fun with it. Like think of yourself as an intelligence agent who is collecting information and you're collecting it from all of the different sources. And then you're going through it in your mind and you're summarizing what you what you believe, what sounds legitimate to you. And if you do that, you're going to be great. You're, yeah. You don't need this show.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But you know what we do need? We need. Mommy a joint. needs a joy. Hey, mommy.
0: Yeah, buddy. We do. We got to end this show on a high note. One of our favorite topics to cover since the very, very beginning of this show. It is the high note, and you knew it was going to happen, Mister Chase. You must have known Heineken's going to get in on the cannabis.
16: Business. Of course. <laughs>
6: According to Business Insider, a new beer from Heineken by California beer brand Lagunitas, called Hi-Fi Hops, is made with marijuana instead of alcohol. The new brew from Lagunitas, Heineken's fastest growing California beer label, bills its beer as hoppy, sparkling water. The Uh, brew reportedly contains zero alcohol, instead made with THC, the main psychoactive ingredient in marijuana.
0: I, I gotta say, that's probably gonna be horrible.
2: Maybe they can't legally combine it with beer. I don't know.
0: <laughs> a sparkling cannabis-flavored water sounds like drinking weed. Hey, but
2: it's low in calories. Yeah, well, that's true. Yeah, I, I And it's gluten-free. My
0: figure. But I love that Heineken's... Uh, also, I didn't have great audio for it, but uh, Coors,
2: the company behind Coors, also wants to get in on this. Here we go. It's going to be a battle, dude. Once, once it becomes uh, off of Schedule 1, it's yeah. boom. It's going to hit the... It's, it's going to be big. Yeah.
0: You know what we don't talk a lot about is the worldview on cannabis legalization in Uruguay has some serious early progress.
18: A grinding noise familiar to cannabis users. But Ismail didn't need to go to a dealer to get it. Instead, he went to a pharmacy. He's registered on an official list and can buy up to 10 grams each week. Within a year, the number registered has gone up fivefold, from 5,000 to 25,000.
21: The quality is good. It's strong enough to have an effect, but allows me to live a normal life. It's not the stuff that makes you crazy.
18: Like many, Enrique was skeptical at first of selling this new product. Concerned for his reputation, how much money he could make, and also of it making him a target of robbery.
0: Isn't this interesting? It's like the same story. Yeah. Again. Just just in another country. (laughs) Isn't that something? That's amazing. And like... Like the cor- the the culture, like slowly adjusting to the idea and all yeah. that. it's fascinating. Now there's some good news for those that are selling pot in Denver. I say that now because my this is this happens during the overtime too. The last couple of clips of the show just pod, won't go. Yeah, my
2: dragon player wants to crash. <laughs>
0: Dragon Player's like, you know what? I, I, I'm,
2: I've i had enough. I'm done. I'm done I'm for done. today. VLC back Charges up. Charges are
0: dismissed for
13: 18 Denver pot shop employees who allegedly sold too much marijuana to
0: customers.
2: <laughs> That's just funny. You've sold too much. Yeah.
0: You're doing too
2: well. Yeah. Shut you down.
0: So when I was coming back from Texas recently, yeah. I stopped in Colorado and I went in a pot shop to see what that's like. Yeah. And they do it differently than they do it here in Washington. Yeah. At least the one I went to had a lobby where you got a queue number and you waited, and once a certain amount inside the store oh, area. Oh, like left, the number of people? Yeah, yeah. they had a number. Yeah. And once, they could only allow so many per employees that were working. It was like two customers... The medical shops
2: used to do that here, too. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Two customers per employee or something like that. Yeah, something like that. And so that ratio had to be right, and you had to just wait in the lobby. Yeah. And then I went in there and bought nothing, of course. Yeah.
11: Their (laughs)
13: arrests were the results of an undercover police sting back in December. The city shut down eight dispensaries, all accused of endangering public safety. Melissa Garcia is live at one of those shops at I-25 in Evans. And, Melissa, you spoke with a former bud tender who faced more than a year in prison. That is until
7: yesterday, Kathy. Her attorney called her and told her the DA had dropped charges against her and 17 of her former colleagues.
0: Now, the thing that uh, the reason why I wanted to play this clip is that's the sort of undiscussed risk of working for one of these cannabis shops is... You, yourself, as the dude behind the counter or the gal behind the counter, could go to jail. Right. Like, the employees themselves are facing jail time for potentially selling too much pot. Not the boss. They're not, like, the company's not getting a fine. The individual people behind the counter, that is, whoo. that is scary. In a way, like, I kind of have respect for people that are willing to risk that. I really do. Uh, And maybe it's because they know that the big payoff is coming. It's not those crazy kids that just want to party, those college students that have just gotten out of home, or those overworked 30 and 40-somethings.
22: No, no. It's the senior citizens with the pains.
7: That in front of her television, this 87-year-old is smoking marijuana. (laughs) Brenna's evening routine now includes a few puffs on an electronic cigarette to help with her insomnia and a massage with cannabis oil to ease her rheumatism.
11: The pain was so heavy, so I decided to, you know, give it a real try. And uh, after a few months, I was able
15: to throw out the Vicodin. And I found that if I took a hit on the vape at night, it made me sleep longer.
7: Oh. This Californian grandma is part of a surging new wave of seniors turning to cannabis. She has even become the face of an advertising campaign. <laughs> To educate the elderly about the use of CBD.
0: She's a big old smiling on this. Chap! It's legal!
7: It's legal now! The therapeutic chemical in cannabis, seen as a natural alternative to drugs.
23: CBD has been in the news a lot here, um, the non-psychoactive part of cannabis. Because the seniors want to use cannabis. They've heard about all of its health benefits, but they don't
7: want to get high.
2: But some do. Seniors nope. arrive by the busload at this
7: dispensary, <laughs> straight from their retirement home. Isn't that cute? Following an information session...
23: And that's when you're actually putting the cannabis drops into your mouth.
7: ...they hit the boutique in search of chocolates, ointments, and sprays. For now, only 3% of Americans over the age of 65 are regular users.
15: Many older people are terrified of drugs. They don't mind medications, which usually are really bad for you, but uh, cannabis frightens them. It's just a miracle plant. I can't say enough good about it. Though there are still very few
7: elderly cannabis users, there are 20 times more than there were 30 years ago. A statistic that has not gone unnoticed by industry professionals, who expect seniors to pour tens of millions of dollars into the market by 2020. Oh!
0: It's going to be huge. Seniors are going to be vets, seniors, people
2: with anxiety, people that can't sleep. Today's millennials will be next year, uh, next uh, generation's uh cannabis users if
0: this show came back like in 2020 for the election or something just ridiculous yeah it'd be really interesting to see where this market's at
2: oh absolutely yeah yeah for sure
0: so keep your keep your ears keep your eyes out watch the twitter feeds keep your rss subscriptions active you never know what may happen in the future you may see community shows prop up that are in the works and there is a telegram group all of that's available patreon.com slash unfilter it'll be up for a little bit longer and then after that, show. But Mr. Chase. Yes, Chris. While the show's not over, the overtime is coming There's up. There's overtime. If people need to depart, if they're done with their meat and veggies... Where can they get more Chase in their face throughout the weeks?
2: If you want to connect with me on the Twitterverse, uh, twitter.com slash N-U-N-E-S. My name is Nunes. You can also check out what I'm doing on the geeky thing side, geekgamer.tv. And I know there's some of you that don't do any of those social media platforms. If you want to send me a personal note, you can email me, chase at geekgamer.tv. Brilliant. Mr. Chris, as always, people can follow you on the Twitterverse where? Sure,
0: at Chris Las. The whole network is at Jupiter Signal. And do check in from time to time over at JupiterBroadcasting.com because there are new shows in the works. There is so much stuff that we have planned for the future that we hope you'll check back in from time to time and keep on listening to future shows. But in the meantime, if you have to head out, if you must depart, thank you so much for thank listening you everybody. for as long as you have. We hope you've enjoyed the show. Yes. Maybe consider sticking around for the
2: overtime. Just yeah. stick around a little bit Just longer. Just this time.
0: But in the meantime, we'll see you sometime in the future.
2: Yeah. Good night and good luck.
0: And thanks for all the fish. Yes. We had to say Yeah, that. lots yeah. of fish. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Thank you all. Good night, everybody. Oh, we did it, Hillary. We did it.
0: We can't stop yet. Oh no, my friends, the show's still going. It's time for
12: Overtime!
0: My time. Thank you to our patrons for the years of support at patreon.com slash unfilter. As you would expect, no new patrons this week. Although, it's pretty amazing that some of you upped your Patreon for one more week. You're amazing. Thank you. So I hope you enjoy this overtime segment one last time, just for you, our patrons, and those of you that were ever considering to be a patron. Patreon.com slash unfilter. But you know what? Since it's our last one... I'm going to let anybody watch. Anybody. Yeah. So you're all welcome. Come on in. Gather around the screen, children. It's time for overtime. And one of the things we like to do here in the overtime segment is we like to examine the systemic rot of the Democratic Party that's caused them to lose and made Trump the president of this here United States. And instead of blaming Russia, we look at the corporatist, bland politicians that run the Democratic Party, like Nancy Pelosi, who even though she's rich, even though she brings in all the millions for the parties, she, just like you and I, my friends, mixes up her millions, trillions, and billions. Imagine it's that, very confusing. million
15: people, meaning 130 million families, probably. They did this handing a massive tax cut uh, to the wealthiest uh, families and people in America. 83% of benefits went to the top 1%. Couple trillion dollars uh, added to the uh, national debt, and then they said, "How we're going to pay for that? How? We're going to cut Medicare, and we're going to cut Social Security." That's what they said. One one point four million billion dollars. Million billion. In uh, Medicare, no, one point four trillion dollars oh. in Medicare. <laughs> me
9: the money!
0: Okay, so first it was a million, then it was a billion, now it's a trillion,
15: and half a trillion. And Medicaid.
0: Attack- she just said Social Security, but that's okay. That's, you know, I mean, we...
15: Medicare. No. 1.4 trillion dollars. Oh, in Medicare. okay. Sorry. And half a trillion in Medicaid. Attacking the sacred right to health care. As a right for all. But we can't do our outside, inside maneuvering. It won't count for much without the outside mobilization.
0: So we can't do outside inside maneuvering. Can't.
15: Uh, So they are our VIPs. They're our special guests today. The cost of prescription drugs is something that is really debilitating. We may need some faith healers.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So that's Nancy Pelosi, Speaker of the House, ironically titled, uh, speaking very poorly. But, you know, somebody we don't talk about but is infinitely just as corrupt is your friend, Dianne Feinstein. Ed
5: Henry is live in Washington with the backstory on this. Ed, good evening.
24: Sandra, great to see you. It's the collusion story the media does not want to cover obsessively, perhaps because it does not involve President Trump and Russia. Instead, it's all about China infiltrating the office of a very powerful Democrat in Dianne Feinstein. It turns out her longtime staffer, Russell Lowe, who was a driver, as you said, and also liaison to the Asian-American community in California, visited relatives overseas several years ago. How
0: perfect is that? First of all, she's got a scarf that looks like it has a pair of dicks on it. Second of all, it, like, like a script right out of a movie, her driver was, was the spy. Now that matters because of Feinstein's positions years ago
24: and became acquainted on the trip with someone who was connected to the People's Republic of China's Uh-oh. Ministry of State Security. Quote, he didn't even know what was happening, that he was being recruited, a source told the San Francisco Chronicle. He just thought it was some friend. Well, not exactly. So five years ago, FBI agents showed up at Feinstein's office in D.C. and revealed her staffer was under investigation for possibly spying for China. Five
0: years ago. And we're just now
24: learning. In fairness, it does not appear the driver actually Revealed anything of major substance, though we still don't know all the details, so the jury's out on that. But the contact with China was certainly serious enough that Feinstein forced the aide into retirement and tried to keep all of this hush hush until uh-huh. the Chronicle blew the lid off of it. And the president has been trying to keep the heat on ever since, charging first on Twitter Friday night and then at a campaign rally Saturday in Ohio that Feinstein is the former chair of the Senate Intel panel. And the president tweeted, Diane is the person leading our nation on collusion with Russia, only done by Democrats. Will she now investigate herself?
0: Oh, yeah. No, we, we don't care about uh, Debbie's Pakistani friends. We don't care about the Chinese infiltrating Diane Feinstein five years ago. We only care about 4D chess playing Putin. Let's be honest. Now, there's another uh, character that uh, you've heard us talk a little bit about, and that is uh, Cortez. And she was missing from Obama's endorsement list. Uh, funny enough, uh, she wasn't the only Democrat missing from Obama's list of 80 Democrats you should vote for. Former
13: President Barack Obama just endorsed 81 candidates from across the nation in federal, state, and down-ballot races. A quote from him real quick. I'm proud to endorse such a wide and impressive array of Democratic candidates. No, 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 no,
0: no, 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 no. Wait for it.
13: Hey. I want to get your response to that and note two people who are not on the list. Senator Dianne Feinstein of California oh. and the booming and blooming Democratic Socialist Alexandria Ocasio Cortez.
0: Th- hmm. Hmm. Dianne Feinstein, not on Barry's list of buys. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting? Although, you know, really, it's a clown show over at the GOP, too.
21: The Justice Department has indicted a sitting. U.S. Congressman, Republican Congressman Chris Collins of New York. The allegations against him, incredibly serious. Uh, the allegations, securities fraud, insider trading. Shimon Perkopez standing by with the details. And Shimon, I do want to read for our viewers, as you walk before you walk us through the sure. indictment, he, the allegation is, you know...
0: Is it just me, or does that guy look like a bobblehead figure? Now, for you audience members out there who are in, listening via audio, the majority... Uh I, I, I can't really fully describe. Uh the guy, he's sitting strangely and his his body is too small for the size of this man's head. You know how like sometimes you go into the grocery store and you see like a piece of meat or you see like a banana and it's just way too big. And you're like, Man, the only way that banana could be that big is if it's genetically modified. Or like that tomato is just too red, man. It's too red. It's not even in season right now. How can it be that red? Well, it's genetically modified, right? That guy's head has been genetically modified to be a pundit. It is literally like a bobblehead on a body. So I'm curious to see what he has to say.
21: Wire fraud, securities fraud, false statements. Here is the full statement coming from, uh, coming from Representative Chris Collins. Let me read it. We will answer the charges filed against Congressman Collins in court and will mount a vigorous defense to clear his good name. It is notable that even the government does not allege that Congressman Collins traded a single share of innate therapeutic stock. We are confident he will be completely vindicated and exonerated. Congressman Collins will have more to say on this issue later today. So that raises the question, will he hold a press conference? Will he issue a personal statement? This comes from his team. But again, this is about a pharmaceutical company out of Australia that he sat on the board of while he was a sitting U.S. congressman until just April, right?
25: Right, that's right. And that's an interesting statement from the defense attorney because what the government is alleging in its indictment is that he was passing information, non-public information, to his son, Cameron Collins, who was also indicted. And then that son... Uh, was passing the information to other people, and they were trading on that information. Look, he was the guy who knew what was going on here. He knew that there were some negative results, according to this indictment, on this drug trial, and he then took that information, the government says, and passed it along. The other thing I think that's interesting here is that they're using, in this indictment, they talk about how he tried to conceal uh, the trading and the issues surrounding the drug stock. Uh, At one point in this indictment, they mention how his office had issued Issued a statement to a local reporter, and the statement said, quote, Neither Christopher Collins nor his daughter have sold shares prior, during, or after Innate's recent stock halt, and that Cameron Collins had liquidated all his shares before the stock halt was lifted after the start, after the stock halt was lifted, suffering a substantial financial law. And the indictment says this statement was written in a manner designed to mislead the public Uh-oh. into believing Uh-oh. that Cameron Uh-oh. Collins had not sold any innate shares prior to the public announcement. So essentially, uh, there's an allegation here that he was issuing public statements to mislead uh, the public, to is- mislead the investigators <laughs> here into thinking that there was no insider trader.
0: Oops, no insider trader. Nice uh, slip of the tongue there by Mr. Bobblehead. All right, let's series it up a little bit. Let's do some world news. Have you noticed this feud between Saudi Arabia and Canada? It, it came into my attention, and, and if you have noticed, it probably m- made your attention too, when Saudi Arabia made this super, super creepy imagery that showed a airliner flying into a Canadian tower. Well, not into it, but like approaching. Like approaching the Toronto airline, uh, or the Air Air... Air Toronto Air, like approaching a building. It's really hard to describe over audio. But when I saw this imagery uh, going around on Twitter, I think I've linked it in the show notes if you want to see it yourself. It, it really, I, I had, I, it caught my attention. Like, what the hell are they doing here? They're, they're essentially threatening a 9-11 style attack if Canada doesn't just mind their own business. So I wanted to search out a clip that kind of explains what's going on.
20: Saudi Arabia has expelled Canada's ambassador and has frozen trade between the two nations after accusing the Canadian government of their words blatant interference in the kingdom's domestic affairs.
0: How dare you? How dare you Canadians challenge how we punish our evildoers?
20: How dare you? RT's Alex Mihailovich has more from
0: Toronto. You ever wonder why U.S. politicians are totally anti-Assad? They're totally anti-Iranian regime, but yet they're totally cool hanging out with Saudi Arabia's leadership? Well, this is why.
22: A diplomatic battle is raging between Canada and Saudi Arabia, and the first blows were dealt on Twitter. Last Thursday, Canada's Minister of Foreign Affairs, Chrystia Freeland, tweeted... Very alarmed to learn that Samar Badawi, Raif Badawi's sister, has been imprisoned in Saudi Arabia. Canada stands together with the Badawi family in this difficult time, and we continue to strongly call for the release of both Raif and Samar Badawi. Continuing the criticism of the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia, Friday, Canada's Foreign Affairs Department tweeted, Canada is gravely concerned about additional arrests of civil society and women's rights activists in Saudi Arabia, including Samar Badawi. We urge the Saudi authorities to immediately release them and all other peaceful human rights activists. The tweets were in reference to the Islamic kingdom arresting two women's rights activists, the latest in a sweep which includes activists, clerics, and journalists. Samar Badawi is the sister of writer Raif Badawi, who is already imprisoned in Saudi Arabia and was sentenced to 1,000 lashes for insulting Islam.
0: Yep. Yep. (laughs) Yep. So Canada is completely in the right here lashes, dude. Really? I mean, OK. So that's how we're doing this, huh? So can I, So Canada,, Canada I's going to call as a joke. Canada is totally in the right here, and Saudi Arabia is smacking them down like a little schoolyard bully for pulling this off. I, I just I think it's fascinating to watch this, and it's not getting a ton of coverage, Not really. Um, there is a story that is getting some coverage, though, is this assassination attempt via drone. Alleged assassination
3: attempt by drone broadcast on live TV and tonight major new developments from Venezuela. Authorities there say they have detained at least a half dozen suspects. The president of Venezuela speaking at a military rally over the weekend when an explosion erupts. His bodyguards rushing in there to protect him.
0: Now this is a fascinating scene if you're watching the video version. The way the bodyguards try to protect him. It's really something, and it shows you our commitment as hairless monkeys to our leaders.
3: Troops suddenly rushing away, then the TV signal suddenly cuts out. And tonight, the president there retweeting this video, suggesting it was the drone that suspects used to try to kill him. But there are major questions about whether this was one of those drones. ABC's Matt Guppin, who has reported here on the crashing economy in Venezuela, the desperation there, he's back tonight with what the U.S. is now saying about the dangers of drones and assassination attempts.
0: Oh,
9: brother. This is claimed to be the moment of a suspected assassination attempt on Venezuelan president Nicolas Maduro. Maduro was speaking on live TV at a National Guard parade in the capital Saturday when suddenly you see his wife flinch and look up. Maduro then looks up. The camera rattles as you hear what sound like explosions. His security team swarms, yeah, shielding battle. him with those bulletproof blankets and bundling him off stage below the grandstand. His vaunted nav- so they just they just gloss right over. Let me go. back. Bulletproof blankets. So they have with them,
0: <laughs> apparently, bulletproof blankets. They, they look like giant shields that are probably about five feet long, six feet maybe, probably not that long, with a handle at the top with with the dude's hand sticking out, and they they become. Literal human shields. They become literal human shields. Isn't that something? Their life for that man, who is really just no different than them. He has a different title. He pretends to be a leader, but he has the same DNA. He's the same kind of thing. But yet somehow we've convinced ourselves that it's worth one, two, three, four, five, six men's life that I can count here. It's really something to watch, and if this is what they do in Venezuela, you got to wonder what our procedures would be. It's really it's it's a fascinating. I'm going to back it up. So the president's standing there, and I also got to give it to the president. He doesn't shit his pants once. Pooh does not come out the entire time he's standing there. He steams, unlike Hillary, who froze under pressure when somebody rushed the stage, or other presidents who have who have recoiled and run away. Uh, he stands there trying to assess what's going on. So you got to give him credit for that. And then they rush around
9: him and um, are ready to sacrifice themselves. Ben looks up. The camera rattles as you hear what sound like explosions. His security team swarms, shielding him with those bulletproof blankets and bundling him off stage Below the grandstand, his vaunted National Guard break formation and scatter. Wow, that's cool. That's cool to see that. The regime said seven people were injured, but no one killed. This as DHS Secretary Kristen Nielsen posted this message on Twitter saying the threat from drones is real. (sighs) I mean, maybe I have a soft spot for drones.
0: I'll give you that. But uh, I just hate how we freak out about this kind of stuff. There are ways to solve this. And, of course, the White House is totally denying any connection.
5: Now to that suspected assassination attempt on Venezuelan President Nicolas Maduro. Drones with explosives going off while he gave a speech. Venezuelans are saying co-conspirators from the U.S. were involved. But White House officials are denying that. Our chief national correspondent, Matt Gutman, has all the latest on this story. Good morning, Matt.
0: Now, if I was a Venezuelan, I would also blame the United States. It just is a way, way better narrative than someone within our own government tried to take me out, right? That's a way better narrative. Like, Although, maybe they didn't get the memo. You're supposed to blame—what's Ru- that? You, they don't blame Russia? The rest of the world blames the United States? Okay. Oh, thanks. Our secret CIA informant just sent me straight. Anyways, back to the clip.
5: Denying oh, that, our chief national correspondent, Matt Gutman, has all the latest on this story. Good morning, Matt.
9: Hey, good morning, Amy. If this suspected coup turns out to be real, it would be the first ever assassination attempt using a drone on a head of state. Now, the Venezuelan regime says the alleged attempt was financed by people in Miami. The White House is saying unequivocally there was no U.S. government involvement at all in whatever happened. You know, that coup
0: in Turkey that was coordinated by the U.S.? We didn't have anything to do with that. The overthrow of Libya that involved people from the U.S.? We had nothing to do with that. (laughs) What? 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 That what? This morning, the U.S. is denying it had any role in the apparent
9: assassination attempt on Venezuelan President Nicolas Maduro on Saturday. Maduro was speaking at a military parade in the capital when suddenly you see his wife flinch, then look up. Maduro then looks up. The camera rattles as you hear what appear to be explosions. Within seconds, his security team bounces up, shielding him with those bulletproof blankets and hustling him off stage.
0: I gotta say, this could have been anybody. It's not, come on. It could have been anybody. And if it was the U.S. and it was a drone strike, it would have worked. I don't think it was us. Just simply, we know how to use drones here. That That's more of like a gangster-level screw-up is what that is. Or even somebody trying to just get attention. Speaking of trying to get attention, there's one person who wants none of it, and that's Peter Strzok. <laughs> Too bad Judicial Watch has other intentions.
4: August 8th, 2016. Uh, And I'll preface it by saying this for context. Uh, Ms. Page said, not ever going to become president, right? Right? Uh, No, no, he's not. We'll stop it. Repeat that again. No, no, he's not. We'll stop it. August 15th, 2016. I want to believe the path you threw out for consideration in Andy's office, that there's no way he gets elected, but I'm afraid we can't take that risk.
0: Can you believe we exist in a reality where FBI agents have been caught texting this and it's it's still not considered uh, a smoking gun? I'm trying to I'm trying to think of a way I could I could make you think of this in isolation. I don't know if that's possible, but as a thought exercise, just for a moment, if we thought about um, let's say we went three years down the road here. And there was no Russia collusion story. There was none of this Russia investigation stuff. And it came out that the FBI tried to prevent a president from being elected. That would be a fucking controversy like none other. But because it is yet another turn in this Russia investigation, we've normalized it. Think about what is being said here. What we know about Peter and his role in the FBI and what is being said here openly about collusion in some man's uh, some some i forget andy I, um chat room maybe you remember i andy is uh, who is andy andy is somebody in the fbi he's like number 2 under comey and i feel really bad that i can't remember his name right now but uh, he's number 2 or number 3 in the fbi this andy guy they're referencing so apparently peter and his girlfriend if she really is his girlfriend are hanging out in andy's office talking about ways to make sure that Donald Trump never becomes the president. And we're not even talking about that anymore. It's just it's just it's just one more part of the news cycle. Isn't that isn't that something? It's remarkable. It's remarkable how we've normalized it. And the only thing I can come to is it must be even though the media, quote unquote, the news media doesn't have the reach that it once had. They somehow seem to be setting the agenda for our ADD nation. Even though they're not reaching uh, more than 500,000 people in an evening. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how else to explain this. It's clear that in isolation, this is a really big deal. This is a really big deal in isolation. But yet in totality, it seems to be just yet another day. And I'm struggling to really wrap my head around that and where we go after this.
22: Stop it.
4: Repeat that again. No, no, he's not. We'll stop it. August 15th, 2016. I want to believe the path you threw out for consideration in Andy's office, that there's no way he gets elected, but I'm afraid we can't take that risk. It's like an insurance policy in the unlikely event you die before you're 40.
0: And now we know the FBI continued to pay Christopher Steele's work on the dossier. So they're paying for work on the dossier. They have people in high level positions conspiring to prevent Trump from winning office. And this is just okay. <laughs>
26: That was Republican Congressman Darrell Issa questioning anti-Trump FBI agent Peter Strzok a couple of weeks ago during a joint House committee hearing last month. Meanwhile, newly released emails uh, are showing that Strzok wanted to keep his security clearance and other FBI powers as he transitioned away from the FBI and to the Robert Mueller Russia investigation.
0: Pausing right here because this is actually the reason I'm playing this clip. It has now, thanks to Judicial Watch, come to light – that peter struck had some hiring demands so like you know probably many of you in our audience when you've got a new job maybe you've been fortunate enough to say all right i will come work for you but you got to buy me a nice laptop or i'll come work for you but i have to have a standing desk like maybe you've been able to have a requirement well peter had some requirements peter had some requirements that didn't really seem to match up with his new roles which gave him unprecedented access to information that he probably shouldn't have had access to anymore but It was part of his hiring demands.
26: Congressman Darrell Issa joins me right now to talk more about that. He is a member of the House Oversight Judiciary and Foreign Affairs Committees. And, Congressman, it is always a pleasure to see you. Thank you for joining us.
4: Well, thanks for having me on, and thanks for teeing it up with the fact that the more we know about Peter Strzok, the more we need to know more.
26: Yeah. Well, well, that's what I want to ask you. I mean, I want to ask you where your investigation stands right now. But first, what about this idea that Peter Strzok did not want to give up his security clearances? A moment ago, I was talking uh, to, to Congressman Peter King about this revolving door about how security clearances perpetuate top level corruption in the United States because they're using their security clearances as their bona fides to get a new job. And then they're using that job to actually lash out at President Trump if they don't agree with him.
4: Well, exactly. And this isn't new. At the end of the Clinton administration, uh, we had people showing up and putting uh, classified documents into their clothes and walking out with one-of-a-kind documents because they still had access. Uh, This is a problem. In the case of Peter Strzok, what was interesting was he didn't just want to keep his clearance. He wanted to keep to use a term, special powers, powers that even the uh, the Speaker of the House doesn't have, issuing national security letters, meaning doing investigations without the normal protections of, uh, of, of a court order, and uh, the ability to declassify documents selectively, meaning to create an environment in which you could leak something and say it isn't classified because you've declassified it for Mueller, these were special powers that no one understood he he had and peter brought to the to the fight if you will
0: you understand what he's saying there right you understand what he's saying is these are my special qualifications that make me a great candidate for you bob i can do these things for you bob that other people can't do and you think well it doesn't work like that that's exactly how it fucking works don't be naive that's exactly how it works Your level of clearance and who you know in the government, your connections, your network, that's what makes you valuable at these levels. That's what they hire you on. They don't hire you on the work you do. You don't do any work. They don't hire you on that. You know that. Think about it for a second. They hire you on your connections. They hire you on your clearance. They hire you on who you're friends with. And they have to be savvy to survive in this government. If you're going to be Bob Mueller and you're going to be in this shit for the better half of your life, you know how to navigate this stuff. You know what makes people valuable. And if he didn't, it would be negligent. If he didn't, he would be stupid. So which one is it? It's either he's actively participating in this corrupt system and hiring people based on their access and clearance and their ability to leak and their willingness to participate. Or, which is, in my opinion, worse, <laughs> if you think about it, they're, they're so inept and they're so out of touch that they don't understand this is how it works. Is that who you want, investigating Russia collusion? No. You want somebody who's savvy, who knows how to navigate DC, who knows how to get what he wants. Well, this is what you get. Shit in, shit out, everybody. That's how it works. And it reminds me of Bob Mueller during the 9 11 investigation. Same exact situation. Shit in, shit out. And now here we have Bob again. I can't wait for these guys to die. All right. Well, speaking of people dying, I can't believe I just used that transition. (laughs) Uh, The booze must finally be kicking in. Speaking of people dying, the Las Vegas police have good news. They've wrapped up their case on the Vegas shooter. And they've honed in on the motivation.
12: I won't spoil it for you.
13: Well, let's go to our correspondent Jonathan Hunt who's in our West Coast newsroom with the details of this report Jonathan
12: Good evening, Harris. For those who lost loved ones or who survived that terrible, traumatic night, it is a disappointing end to a 10-month investigation that has left us no closer to uncovering a motivation for the massacre. Paddock opened fire, as you said, from the 32nd floor of the Mandalay Bay Hotel, killing 58 people attending that concert. He had spent several days bringing in an arsenal of weapons and ammunition to the hotel, but as seen on this security camera footage nothing about his luggage caused alarm among hotel employees and while he had complained to friends about feeling constantly in pain or fatigued and his doctor described him as quote odd and possibly bipolar nothing about his behavior raised any red flags by all
19: accounts Stephen Paddock was an unremarkable man whose movements leading up to October 1st didn't raise any suspicion.
0: The exact kind of person you'd want trafficking guns to ISIS. I mean, I'm just saying. I'm just saying.
19: An interview with his doctor indicated signs of a troubled mind, but no troubling behavior that would trigger a call to law enforcement.
0: Again, the ideal person to run guns. I'm just saying. (laughs)
12: <laughs> paddock was a high stakes gambler whose bank balance had dropped from two million dollars in 2015 to half a million by september 2017
0: oh that's rough only six hundred thousand dollars in that account oh man that's that's rough man that's like hard times you know when you've only got six hundred thousand dollars in change sitting around you know you just sit around laying laying around at night thinking Should I buy a car in cash or should I finance it?
12: He had paid 600000 to casinos, 170000 to credit card companies, and had spent $95,000 on weapons and ammunition. Oh, that's because he was washing his money in the casinos,
0: he was spending one hundred seventy on credit card companies because he could afford it, and 95000
12: on weapons because he was going to turn around and sell it for 300000 <laughs> The report found Paddock acted alone. No suicide note or manifesto was found. There was no evidence of radicalization or links to any terrorist organization no
0: he was just pissed about the end of a really good contract and he was a crazy son of a bitch who was willing to sell guns to terrorists and
12: so he made those sons of bitches pay who are no longer paying him the sheriff by the way also said today it was hard for him to even say the shooter's name during the press conference and he does not intend to do so again
0: oh it's easy it's just c i a no, I don't actually. No, I'm, no, no. He was just a customer. Um, mm, yikes, I've really stepped in on that one. I've stepped in it. Can I, can I defer? Can we defer our hate for a moment? Can we put just a, it, just a defer moment? Let's put our hate on Giuliani. So that horrible intro is the setup to what I think will eventually grow. This is a little Red Book prediction. I expect by Christmas we will have a Judge Napolitano show again on Fox. And this is them beginning the groundworks of getting it ready. And the judge's show is coming back. Now, if you remember, when Unfilter started for, I think, uh, maybe about a year into Unfilter's run, I'm going to say, the judge had his own television show on Fox. And then one day he said some stuff. (laughs) He said some stuff and they had to fire him. And, uh, and then over the years, over the last, I'd say, three years, he's kind of worked his way back in because he kind of knows what he's talking about. And it doesn't doesn't hurt that Donald Trump likes him personally. So Fox has kind of changed their opinion a bit. Plus, there's been leadership changes at Fox as well. And so my Red Book prediction, my last perhaps Red Book prediction is Judge is going to get his own show before December of this year. That's my pro- I could be wrong. These things do take a while, but my theory is this is already in the works, and these types of um, really overproducible segments with the judge on his own are them preparing in the background.
14: Hi, Judge Andrew Napolitano here, and you are on Freedom Watch with my good friend and colleague from the mountains of West Virginia, Fox News Digital Politics Editor Chris Stierwalt. Chris, do you get the sense that Rudy Giuliani is playing over his head in the defense of the president, so much so that he might actually be putting the president in jeopardy with these wild, maniacal, disjointed explanations and personal
27: attacks on Michael Cohen, who's probably going to be a government witness? Well, there's all kinds of lawyers in this world, uh, and you've seen them all in your courtroom. uh, And what we're witnessing here is is... People say, we don't want to try this case in public. Uh, These are lawyers trying a case in public, right? You have in the court of public opinion, you've got Giuliani doing battle not just with Cohen, But with Cohen's mouthpiece, uh, who is a veteran of all of this stuff, Lanny Davis, who worked for the Clintons in the thick of all of that. And they're trying to box each other out. And then you've got Michael Avenatti uh, zinging in here and there to do battle with these folks. And it does all look like a mess. And it would all give... uh, Let me put it this way. For the rest of America, this is sort of a taste of what you get to read in the New York Post every day about the wild, woolly world of New York jurisprudence. Do you get the sense that... uh Gabe Sherman's
14: piece in Vanity Fair this morning is correct. General Kelly is furious at this and wants the president to fire Rudy. That's the president's chief of staff. Don McGahn, the chief White House counsel, furious at Rudy and wants the president to fire him.
27: Is that stuff likely true? Look, uh, I don't I don't ever put too much stock into palace intrigue stories, but I have to say, on this case, that would comport to the things that are uh, available for public inspection. And I would also say that any time you have a White House under siege — and this is very much a White House under siege in the same way uh, in the summer of 1973, in the same way as uh, 1997. This this is a White House under siege, and it's hard enough to execute the basic functions of the office when you are under siege that way. But Trump and Giuliani are fighting on multiple fronts. Instead of being focused on the Mueller probe, which is really kicking into the final and terminal phase now, they are also looking at the squabble with the president's former lawyer and the women that he allegedly paid off and all of that stuff, which is a further distraction from a distraction.
0: That is a great point. Think about this for a second. Imagine like Clinton in office. This is a good exercise, right? Clinton being distracted by Monica Lewinsky. Uh, That's like a massive thing. The PR around that, the legal stuff around that, that's massive. But Trump's right now dealing with the porn star stuff, the Cohen stuff, the Manafort stuff, and the Russia investigation. Like, when you think about it, you really think of the Russia investigation as the main thing. He's like the, the main distraction. But it's all that shit. He's he he is he is juggling all of that stuff that has to be distracting for the president.
14: Do you uh, think that there might be a method to the president's madness? And I use the word madness lowercase uh, <laughs> with, with, with respect to the uh, tweet earlier today, I want Attorney General Jeff Sessions to shut down this investigation. Now He knows that that tweet is not going to produce the result that he wants. He also knows that if he wants that result and is willing to take the extraordinary backlash it will provoke, he can make that happen. So what does he hope to
27: accomplish with that tweet? I, look, he, he is in a pickle. Uh, he it, It's sort of like we heard all the folder all last week about the uh, 11 Republicans calling for the impeachment uh, of the deputy attorney general, Rod Rosenstein. Right. And what what gave the game away on that one? they didn 't mention the President in it. The President had the pow- has the power that he could release those documents. He could order those documents that they demand be released, but they don 't go to him because in the end people don 't really want it out. What they want is the issue, and they want to talk they want to fulminate. They want to keep the base attached. You know the old joke, you know what you do with your political base. You treat them like mushrooms. you keep them in the dark, and you cover them with horse
0: manure. <laughs> You know what? I got to say, if this is what the new show is going to be like, I might actually watch it. That's not bad. So Ben Jealous, one of the best names in politics, he does pretty good handling questions if he's a socialist until he kind of, and I quote, fucking loses it. And that's me waiting for Dragon Player. Oh, the last two clips of The Overtime, and Dragon Player calls it quits early. Office
8: proud to
0: be that person I for- VLC to the rescue so this is Ben jealous forward
8: to winning this race and I'm happy
0: to take your questions he's uh, looking forward to winning the race and he's happy to take questions here's what I'm going to do for you I'm going to skip ahead he answers if he's if he's a socialist uh, in the most non-direct way possible and then we go here to the end where uh, the reporter asks him again and he gives a bit more of a direct answer investing
22: in our small businesses um, by
8: pushing everybody we can into Obamacare and doing whatever it takes to get a better deal on health
25: care for the people of our state. Uh,
7: Not to put your final point on it, but uh, do you identify
22: with the term social? Are you fucking kidding me? (laughs) Is that a final point? Okay. (laughs) Thank you, sir. All right. Thank you.
0: Oops. Yeah, that's not how you do it. Nope. 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 Now, I understand as we wrap up the show here, some of you are going to have some extra time because the show can be kind of long. And you've got now a bit of a hole in your schedule until at least a community-inspired show launches. And so you might be wondering, what should I do? Now, uh, the salesman in me would say, well, go, go listen to more Jupiter Broadcasting content. But I understand you're going to be distracted by a new game, a new enticing game called The News Hero. Oh, you didn't know about this? It's a game that's available right now,
12: created by the members of NATO. NATO's come up with its own way of teaching it to youngsters. The Alliance has released a Facebook game called The News Hero. Players are supposed to learn how to separate truthful stories from the fake ones. And this is said Chirkin had tried her hand.
23: (laughs) Welcome to NATO's new online weapon against misinformation. It's the News Hero.
8: I promised myself to report only the truth. Join me on my quest to filter the news
23: some of the headlines about the game might imply that its developers have a bone to pick with Russia. But on closer inspection, it seems it doesn't have that much Russian fake news to decipher. You might have thought that NATO's Latvia-based strategic communications center of excellence could dig up something better, especially given the lengths it went to last year trying to prove that Russian TV comedy was really an undercover propaganda machine. And of course, there's NATO's deep-seated suspicion of all things Russian.
12: We don't accept uh, uh,
11: cyber uh, uh, propaganda. We will not uh, counter Russian propaganda with propaganda! more propaganda.
10: propaganda. We have to be able to counter disinformation uh, with facts.
23: But in NATO's new virtual reality world, passion seems slightly more subdued. You enter a rather suspiciously empty
0: and slow-paced newsroom. I'm sure you'll enjoy that. I have nothing to say but thank you. I'll keep it short. I'll keep it sweet. I hope you will stay subscribed to our RSS feed. That's all I'll say. If you've enjoyed this show over the ages, do me the favor of staying subscribed on filter.show slash RSS. Thank you so much to everyone out there. And instead of saying, I'll see you next week, I'll see you on all of our other shows at JB. Thank you so much.